Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's that time of the year where the tournament is finally upon us. College basketball takes center stage. BetOnline is the number one spot for bets, odds, information, and the 2022 college basketball bracket contest. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started today. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is March 17th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. March Madness kicks off today. 16 basketball games all at one time. It's incredible. It's fun. It's amazing. I'm very excited. And today we're going to talk with Blake Jude, not about college basketball at all, although stay tuned for Friday and Saturday when we do talk about college basketball here on this podcast for the week out of the year that March Madness gets to dominate the news stream. Last year I think it was like three weeks, but I think we invested more in college basketball back then. This year it's about a week. Haven't been watching much college basketball, but damn if I won't be watching on Thursday and Friday of this week. So we will talk to Blake Jude about all of the happenings and fixings of the NFL. We didn't have time to come on the show last week and talk about stuff that went down, so we carry that over into this week, which is a conversation about free agency and, for some reason, the Atlanta Falcons and Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns and all kinds of teams who did all kinds of stuff in all kinds of ways over the past week as we changed the landscape of the NFL for a new season. So we'll get to that, but we recorded this podcast in the middle of the afternoon on Thursday. And as you will see, breaking news comes in pretty rapidly as we're doing this podcast. Last year, we did the same thing when the Patriots signed a whole bunch of people and it changed their franchise around a bit, improved them like three or four games. And so we do it again this year where we get Chandler Jones breaking, Julio Jones getting cut. You can kind of go back in time and figure out when we recorded this podcast if you go look at the old breaking news from yesterday. But a couple moves that came in after the fact was one, Chris Bryant signing with the Colorado Rockies, which funny as shit, incredibly, incredibly funny that the Rockies are paying like $150 million dollars of Nolan Arenado's contract, and then they just signed Chris Bryant for $180 million. Freaking hilarious. Uh, And secondarily, Vaughn Miller on 
the half yard line of re-signing with the Rams is now a Buffalo freaking bill, which is hilarious and also just gives me a chance to play our wonderful Von Miller song from the Madden 2017 advertising campaign that I love playing so much. Just start me. When I'm on your Madden team, brushing the pastor and tackling dudes on some strings of mine. Build your gang strategy around me, cause my rating is 99. Feel this law for LB by just calling on me, and we both can shine. Cause I just need one more shot to be MVP. Yeah, we can win, so I'm saying start me. Let's do this. Stop all plays, just using my body When I'm on your Madden team Change your roster up and just start me me. Opponents never gonna make first downs Try and try, they won't gain no ground Just start me Just start me Build your team and take them all the way Madden NFL 17, EA Sports. It's in the game. Six years, $120 million for Von Miller. In his mid-30s, I know he was awesome last year. In his mid-30s, Von Miller is getting $120 million. From the Buffalo Bills. That is a declaration type of move. It's also a testament to one of the things we're going to talk about here, which is how do you exist in the NFL when you don't have one of those generational game-changing players? Because Buffalo wasn't getting Von Millers before Josh Allen was there. Buffalo was not getting those caliber of players until you land the franchise quarterback. And so the quarterback can sometimes change the entire landscape of a billion-dollar corporation and how they navigate in this weird infinite game that is being an NFL football team and running an NFL football team. So we'll talk about that more. I just wanted to play the Von Miller sound as an A block because we have two hours of NFL content coming at you with our friend Blake Jude of Stripe Hype Cincy and Stripe Hype Scouting and all of the other great stuff that Blake is doing that you can support with all the links in the description to this here episode with hundreds of episodes here as well, also done by Mr. Blake Jude. What's going on? (laughs) What's going on? Uh, Long time no see. How you been? (laughs) Uh, I've been doing very well. It has been... I guess a couple of weeks. The Trent Richardson podcast was the last time we uh, partook in this wonderful NFL extravaganza. And holy shit, holy shit, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, without question. Sorry, it's been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks of football news. I'm trying to keep my head on straight, trying to follow all this NFL free agency stuff right now. And it's been a been a very very fun uh uh you know i guess free agency technically just started just now starting as we start this podcast i guess but uh it's been a very very fun crazy uh i guess week of nfl news and rumors and all that good stuff with 
yeah. all the quarterback situations right now. You got a bunch of big trades and releases. Um, you know, I mean, just something for everyone <laughs> if you're an NFL fan. And right we now. get it's to play the fun the game now that they're, you know, we're recording this in the afternoon. It's a podcast, so it's not like there's like a live feel to it. It's not like when we were doing a radio show and the James Harden trade to Brooklyn broke live during our radio show premiere. It's not like that situation here, but we do get breaking news like the fact that five minutes ago it was announced that Julio Jones was released by the Tennessee Titans. And so as we go along here, I'm sure more news like that will break. Oh, yeah. We'll, it, it, we'll get a lot of news. I, I would say to this podcast, we're getting tweets every five minutes of stuff going on from, from Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport right now. But I definitely think right now that the situation that everyone's following closely and, and kind of paying attention to the most, at least for me, is Deshaun Watson and what's happening over there. That is super interesting, uh, um, I guess, uh, area to watch through this free agency process. And I've heard it's possible even news reaches today. So imagine Watson makes his decision during this podcast. That'd be kind of crazy. Yeah, that is gonna that's gonna freak me out a little bit. There is that where you want to start with the podcast because there's obviously we we never talked about Aaron Rodgers, we never got to talk about yeah. Russell Wilson, we didn't talk Ooh. about you know Chandler Jones signing today or any of the Tom Brady unretiring and Zadarius Smith getting cut. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. So right. did you want to start on Deshaun Watson? Uh, let's let's hold off on Watson since he's kind of a more recent one. And if we hear anything, we'll talk about it. If I, anyone I wants want... deep, nuanced conversation about Deshaun Watson, check out Wednesday's podcast on Take It Easy, by the way. You if go. you want deep, nuanced conversation about how kind of gross it is that all of the NFC South teams are trying to beg a sexual predator to be the face of their franchise, check that out yesterday. Um, is there anything of particular interest that has been gnawing at you for the past two weeks? Yeah, I've been wanting to discuss this Russell Wilson to the Broncos uh, trade quite a bit because I, I do think I have made some pretty strong assumptions about Russell Wilson um, the last couple of podcasts I've been on here. Um, you know, saying that, I mean, this is a guy that I think is uh, he's, he's still relatively young for his age, but it does feel like he's. Not, maybe regress a little bit compared to what we know the old Russell Wilson being, but I still want to go out and saying the fact that the Broncos are able to upgrade from someone like Teddy Bridgewater, Russell Wilson is a huge upgrade at quarterback and easily Russell Wilson is the best quarterback they've had since Peyton Manning, who won the Super Bowl, of course. So this whole entire idea that they are now, they now have Russell Wilson. They have a lot of pieces necessary to, to, to win football games. I do really think a couple of those trade pieces um, were quite a bit, like quite a lot. I didn't like the idea of trading Noah Fan away. I know they gave up a lot of picks. Um, but I, I do definitely think for the Denver Broncos, they are heading in a great direction with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And I really, really – honestly, I was shocked it happened. I really thought that um, Russell Wilson would end up being a – you know, a guy that just ended up staying in Seattle again this year because it just felt like that was what was meant to happen. Um, but, you know, in the QB carousel that we joked around and had a couple of weeks back, I predicted Russell Wilson to get traded away, and he ended up getting traded away. Um, and now we see him on a Denver Broncos team that is going to be playing in a very, very tough AFC West division right now. But I do think Broncos are now a team that, you know, I think should be expected to be right there in the ticket things in the wild card. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny how that worked out because like we had Russell Wilson going to the Giants and then it was like Daniel Jones ends up on the Falcons and Matt Ryan ends up on the Browns and all of it seemed crazy. But now a lot of it is all in the realm of possibility as 
you know, Baker Mayfield seems to have played. We didn't even do Carson Wentz. Like I didn't even fathom the possibility that Carson Wentz was going to get traded and lo and behold, his ass is in Washington now. So like <laughs> we, we didn't, pre- we've tried to prepare as much as we could and get as crazy as we could. And we still didn't get crazy enough because Carson Wentz also got traded, but for the Russell Wilson part, I'll ask you this. And this is the question I asked right off the bat. Is it a better football move? For Russell Wilson, is this a lateral football move to go from Seattle to Denver? Because I could hear the argument on both sides of the coin. Like Seattle had no draft picks. Well, now Denver has no draft picks. Seattle didn't have a ton of offensive weapons. Obviously, DK Metcalf being prime among them. Denver's weapons, I assume, are going to get better just because Russell Wilson is now their quarterback. So I think we're going to finally get to evaluate Cortland Sutton and finally get to evaluate Jerry Judy and finally get to evaluate Tim Patrick. But I I, I could hear arguments on both sides. So I'd like to hear what you think about the better football fit. It's, it's really tough because you go through all the positions. I mean, this is a better offensive line for Russell Wilson. This is probably one of the best offensive lines he's ever had in terms of of, of how good in stature they are. So we're finally going to see Russell Wilson had time in the pocket to throw the ball. So that could certainly be a big plus for him. This is the best defense he's had since the Legion of Boom, I would say, in terms of talent-wise, because they have a lot of really good defensive players on Denver Broncos right now. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you, you lose DK Metcalf, you lose Tyler Lockett. I'm not sure the Broncos have a weapon that's up to par with either of those guys right now. They lose Noah Fant, who I think would have been one of Russell Wilson's favorite targets had he stayed in Denver uh, for this trade. So we're going to see Russell Wilson with, you know, maybe a, a little bit worse when it comes to targets, but a better offensive line, a better defense, but also a much harder conference in my eyes. This is going to be a really tough conference for Russell Wilson to stay and, and compete in. I mean, I really do think the NFC West was really hard. But this AFC West is going to be a whole other level of, of good now and, and this, uh, uh, this upcoming season because we finally see a team in the Chargers who go out and get Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson, two of the top defensive uh, you know, players that hit the Frazier market this year, uh, which is insane to see them go out and get that. They still have Joey Bose already. Derwin James is still there. That's in a great defense in, the, you know, in, in Los Angeles for the Chargers. We now see just recently, actually today, as of recording this, the Raiders go out and get Chandler Jones, one of the best, most underrated edge rushers in the league right now, to pair offside Max Crosby. So we're going to see some dangerous edge rushers, some dangerous defense on this team. And, and of course, that's – we're not even counting the Kansas City Chiefs, who I would argue is the most talented team in football as a whole right now because they have one of, if not the best, talented, most talented quarterback of all time in Patrick Mahomes. So it's going to be a very tough challenge for Russell Wilson. I do think that, you know, he's on a better team now, I would say, if I had to guess. I mean, I think this, this Broncos team is better than last year's Seahawks team if I had to pinpoint it. But I also think this is going to be a much harder division. He's going to have to score a lot more points. He's going to have to do a lot more in order to be successful. So I think he's capable of doing it. Um, but I do think it's almost a wash in terms of where I see this team being. You know, the Seahawks were a team that I thought had a chance making the playoffs next year if they were able to keep Russell Wilson and get a couple of guys. I still think the Broncos are more likely than not would make the playoffs this year. But, you know, it seems like the Ravens, the Bengals, potentially a lot of AFC North there. Um, you know, you also have teams like maybe the Colts, the Titans, whoever doesn't want, whoever doesn't win that division. Uh, you see the Dolphins, uh, the, the Patriots. A lot of these teams are going to be vying for wild card spots. And I almost, I can almost guarantee you that either the Chargers or the Chiefs, I would prefer, I think either of those two teams would probably place higher than the Broncos when it comes to AFC West. So you're almost looking at the Broncos trying to fight for a seven or six seed in the, in the West this upcoming season with a lot of good teams vying for it. So it's going to be a very, very tough 
division to handle, and we'll have to see how well it, uh, how well they were able to perform. I'm really interested in seeing Russell Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes twice this season. That'll be a very interesting matchup to watch for sure. So remember a couple of weeks ago when we did our list of top 15, like game changing players in the NFL, we like tried to get to 15 and like 15 was like, well, oh, maybe Devonte Adams, maybe Jalen Ramsey. So we kind of got like 13, 14 game changing players. I think only like four of them play in the NFC now. And it's not even the top ones. It's like Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Aaron Donald, and like, that's about it. <laughs> like there's just I, Aaron Rodgers is obviously still there too now, but we didn't know back then where Aaron Rodgers was going to go. And so now it's like the AFC is a gauntlet where Denver doesn't have a path to the playoffs because their team isn't that good around Russell Wilson. And their only path to even getting into the dance is like Russell Wilson has to elevate the talent around them because Lamar Jackson's going to elevate the Ravens and Joe Burrow's going to elevate the Bengals and Justin Herbert's going to elevate the Chargers. And like everyone's, or not everyone, but like eight teams in that conference have one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be much harder competition, but for Russell Wilson, it's a much better team. So I think in terms of Russell Wilson's play, I could see him being better this year than what he was last year. Last year was a, was unlike Russell Wilson, right? Of course, the injury happened. He wasn't that bad before the injury, but afterwards, he was really rough. But I, I do I do have no doubt Russell Wilson is going to put in the work necessary to be 100% healthy for next season. He's going to be going out there. He's going to have a good offensive line this time, like I said. So I definitely expect him to be able to um, you know, make good throws whenever needed. I expect the old Russell Wilson to return relatively but do I think he's still better than the guys you mentioned? Do I think he's better than Herbert? No. Do I think he's better than uh, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? Uh, no, not really. I mean, there's he might still be the fifth or sixth best quarterback in that conference, despite switching over from one conference to the other. So it's still going to be a big challenge for him to be able to be good enough to outduel some of these guys. And I'm really interested to see how it all works out. But I do think you know, he does have a lot of help around him. Like I said, they have a great running game. Russell Wilson's played on heavy run teams before in the Seahawks who used to average most rushing yards per game uh, for the last couple of seasons. Javante Williams is going to be a guy I can really trust to do well. They have a great defense. I think he's going to be able to, you know, win them some games themselves. But uh, we have to see Patrick Mahomes find his number one target, find some guys that he can really get comfortable with and get used to and make a lot of really tough throws um, to, to be able to be successful. This is a Chiefs team that I would say – relies a lot on the deep ball. Uh, there's a lot of guys who can get deep. KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, um, you know, uh, Cortland Sutton, as well as Tim Patrick. These are all guys that can get deep and win deep. And if you're able to to have, you know, Russell Wilson be able to get the ball down the field and get get it to them, I think that they can have, find a lot of success. But I do worry that, you know, it's going to be really tough to outdo some of these other quarterbacks in the AS, AFC. So I do think it's going to be a big challenge for him and the Broncos as a whole. But I mean, for the Broncos side of things, it makes complete sense. I mean, they're, they're going from an average team that was obviously not going to make the playoffs this year to a team that is now going to be right in the thick of things in the playoffs. They have a good roster and are very capable of making it. So for I'm a Broncos fan, I'm very happy with this move, and I definitely think it's the right decision for, their, for them. Think how crazy that is that the Denver Broncos had to give up their entire future for the next, like, two years in order to just get in the mix. Like they had to give up every, well, I mean, Noah Fant was a former first round pick. So like people could make the argument. It was three first round picks. I I don't think Noah Fant could have been traded for a first round pick today, but you know, a a former first round pick, two first round picks, two second round picks. And that's what it took just to get in the mix. 
that's kind of crazy how even in the transaction filled sport, like that's all it takes to just get the Broncos from not a playoff team to in the mix for a playoff team is trading their entire ability to upgrade through the draft in the next two years. It's necessary in a lot of times because there's, you know, Russell Wilson's still a top 12, top 10, maybe quarterback in, in the league right now. I mean, for, for a guy like that, it takes a load. It takes a load of picks. It takes a load of players. It's going to take a lot for him to be able to um, – or for, for teams to be able to trade that away, right? I mean, no team's willing to trade away a top 10 quarterback today in the NFL. I mean, right now, unless a team wants out – or once a player wants out, always like Watson or how Rodgers was beforehand. I mean, every team wants to keep a top 10 quarterback if possible, and I think the Seahawks were that way with Russell Wilson. But obviously, Russell Wilson was not interested in staying there any longer – they knew they had to get rid of him uh, for a good return, right? And I think a lot of teams are paying off or paying for it. Um, we do know the Broncos were in on the Aaron Rodgers kind of sweepstakes. And once they realized he was out, they you know went back to playing Plan Two, Plan B. Um, so that that's when they end up finding Russell Wilson and giving him uh, the the deal that they did. And I think it makes sense for them because it, had they not gotten Russell Wilson, they'd be stuck in a really rough uh, position in terms of you know, what they're going to look at for quarterback. You know, they're not in a great position to draft one this year. There really isn't that many other great free agents out there as well. Uh, and you would think that a lot of these other teams are planning on trying to keep their quarterbacks for a long term. So it'd be really tough for the Broncos to be able to turn around and find another quarterback. They finally got a guy, pretty much the last option, I think, left on the table for them to realistically be back in the competing scenario. And that's why they had planned to overpay a little bit. So you're saying that going and getting Mitchell Trubisky wouldn't have gotten them back in the mix? <laughs> no, it wouldn't yeah, have done I mean, it for you? Not nah, Jimmy Garoppolo, probably. not giving up two seconds for Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have gotten them in the mix. Yeah, pro- probably not. <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, you know, there's there's certainly teams who can make it work. I think the Steelers can make Richard Trubisky work a little bit. Uh, but do I think the Steelers are a playoff team this year? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll you, you're not out. a believer in Nathaniel Hackett, who I've said looks like the the uh, fourth. You ever seen like one of those war movies where like Tom Hanks is like the colonel. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is like the fourth extra who's standing there with a big hard hat on and like staring up at the person. <laughs> That's what Nathaniel Hackett looks like. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett. You're not a not a believer in him being a game changing offensive coach that will revive Jimmy G's career. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just not really. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, anything's possible, but <laughs> I, I really think that this is – we're going to see uh, – you know, I think there's, we're, we're starting to create some separation between the top half and the bottom half of the NFL because a lot of these quarterbacks are finding better teams to be with, of course, and, and it's going to be tougher for these teams who have the Mitchell Trubisky's, the Jimmy Garoppolo's, or, uh, you know, even the Teddy Bridgewater's. Um, to, to be able to compete against these other great quarterbacks on great teams. I mean, we're really seeing a lot of these teams with great quarterbacks go all in, and the rest of these teams that don't have quarterbacks are too busy, stuck behind, trying to find a quarterback. And that's the biggest problem right now. They're not able to get any better because they don't have a quarterback to build around. Yeah, I think the NFL changed right in front of our eyes in that way, where it went from uh, an AFC championship of Blake Bortles and Case Keenum and Nick Foles right. and 40-year-old Tom Brady, because there just weren't that many great quarterbacks at the time, to now there's a there's more than there's ever been before, most of them having entered the league in the last five years. And so now... If you if you were the franchise that didn't get one, you're stuck. Like you've got no chance if you're one of the franchises that didn't get one of those quarterbacks at a time where the NFL also changed the rules to help benefit the quarterbacks. 
you're, you're at a point right now where you can have the best defense in the league, but if you have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, you're not winning more than eight games, right? And that's, that's the biggest problem right now uh, with this league. It's become so pass-heavy. It really kind of feels like this is a quarterback and wide receivers league. There's not really anything a cornerback can do to stop them at this point because if it's a good quarterback and a good wide receiver, they're going to find ways to win no matter what. We're seeing that right now with, you know, we, we, we saw it with Justin, Her- Justin Herbert and his receivers like Mike Williams. We saw it with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. We saw it with... We saw that in the Super Bowl this year, like Jalen Ramsey played terribly in the Super Bowl. And I consider him like the greatest corner I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. And he got cooked in the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it's a brand new league now and everyone's focusing on the offense and trying to find the offense necessary to win football games. The defense almost just a side piece. It's like, hey, if we can get a turnover or two, that's a victory in our book. Right. That's all they want. Uh, they just want a couple of turnovers to give their offense a chance to outscore the other offense. It's become more of a, a high-powered, high-scoring league now. And, you know, that teams have to adjust to that. And I think a lot of teams, that's why we're seeing the team, like the, you know, the Indianapolis Colts, be so adamant on getting rid of Carson Wentz. They know with an absolute fact Carson Wentz is not going to be a top-15 quarterback to compete with other guys next level. So they're trying to find a way to be able to find another guy that can go out there and compete. Um, we're seeing guys like the Cleveland Browns, for example. They know Baker Mayfield is not capable of being good enough to win football games. So what are they, go, what are they doing? They're going all in on Deshaun Watson. We're seeing the same with the Saints, the, the Panthers, all these teams. They don't have top-tier quarterbacks. They're going all in on top-tier quarterbacks that are going to be available. So we know that everyone is at that point right now where you, can, you really can't get any better unless you get a better quarterback. And that's why so many other teams are going for the better quarterback. So I wanted to ask you about that part of it when it comes to the Colts, because I've said for a little bit, and I think last year kind of boosted that a little bit, that the 49ers are the great exception when it comes to they built a Legion of Boom style defense with a Hall of Fame left tackle, future Hall of Fame tight end, all pro wide receiver and you know Pro Bowl fullback and having like nine pro bowl slash all pro players on their team was them being the great exception to we can win even without a quarterback. I know they didn't win a championship, but obviously got to the super bowl. We're in the NFC championship last year uh, and hid their quarterback pretty much the entire time. So I look at the Colts and they kind of seem like they think they can be the great exception too. It's like we had Andrew Luck. Now we don't have Andrew Luck. We can't find anything as good as Andrew Luck. So we're going to try and be exceptional everywhere else and then just have interchangeable quarterbacks, which guess it might work out. Guess it might not work out. It hasn't worked out in results so far, but I argue that like the Colts have been incredibly successful given the quarterback play they've had over the last four years. Yeah, they've been the biggest exception, but a big reason why they were even successful last year is because Jonathan Taylor had a run for over 2,000 yards, basically. They had to have a great running game to be able to to be a commodity to the passing game. And, you know, we, we saw uh, kind of with the Titans as well. They had to rely a lot on Derrick Henry. They still had A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, two top uh, 15 receivers at the time, but they were still um, not winning games because they had, you know, they had uh, – Ryan Tannehill instead of a quarterback that was actually good enough to win your football game. Yeah, they so had a they had a quarterback just, purgatory quarterback. They had, you know, Andy Dalton. They had Jimmy G. They had their own version of that at quarterback. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's 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 tough, tough scenario to be in because you could be great, but you're not gonna win football games if your plenty is Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, 
even guys like Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, they're just be- better, and they're going to make better plays down the stretch no matter how good your team is. You have to have one of those guys that you can trust to be able to make those plays. So it's exactly why the Broncos went out and got Russell Wilson so he can go out and make those plays. And I think it makes a lot of sense for their franchise because that's exactly what they were missing. We saw them this year play on a lot of close games against great quarterbacks, but what did they do? The great quarterbacks came down at the end of the games, scored a game-winning touchdown, and you know, you're know you not going to have Jimmy G or – or sorry, not Jimmy G um, – Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke or anyone like that come back and be able to respond in any sort of way. So that was just at that point, that was coffin. Now the game was over. So it's, it's a really, really tough league to be in because it's, it's all one-sided on how quarterbacks able to perform. And that's why everyone's going in so hard on quarterbacks. Now um, it makes a lot of sense. I hate that it has to be that way. Cause I want to see the defense be great as well. I want to see the games that are defensively, um, you know, maybe 14 to seven or something like that. Games that are really fun, grinded out games, but that's just the league's moving away from that now. And we're going to see a lot more games where it's going to be in the forties every game. And it's going to be pretty fun to watch, but at the same time, um, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we start getting a couple of generational defensive players to, to take over. Yeah. And eventually the quarterback play will decline or the quarterback play won't be as good as it is because these things move in cycles, right? Like sometimes you have great quarterbacks available. Sometimes the rules are tailored to foster great quarterbacks. And sometimes you don't have the plethora of quarterbacks at your disposal. It's just for the next five years, it looks like those quarterbacks are all going to be there. They're all going to be special and they're all going to change the game a little bit there. Um, You mentioned the Colts having the run game. They also have but for my money, future Hall of Fame middle linebacker and DeForest Buckner, who was one of those like nine all pro players the Niners had. And the Niners just gave him away. They're <laughs> like, we got 10 all pro players. Let's just give one of them to the Colts. We're not going to get anything in return other than Javon Kinlaw. <laughs> we'll just give one away at this point. And so I guess the Colts are looking at it like, I mean, the best we can do is try and put our money elsewhere because the Colts we talked about it before with Chris Ballard like the Colts are always the team that has like top three cap space in the NFL and very rarely do they ever spend it and they always prioritize being flexible with their cap space because they've never been in a situation where they can really go all in yet and they had it with Andrew Luck but like in the last four years they haven't had an all-in moment where they can spend all of their money upgrade at all of their positions of need. And now we can go win a championship. And, and that's mainly because the Colts are always so consistently solid everywhere. Like Colts don't have any obvious big needs, right? I mean, you have good players all around that team, but nothing good enough to really win you a championship. I mean, really, I think the weakest position right now for the Colts, and the reason why they're looking so hard for a quarterback is because that's probably is the weakest position. Overall, you have a, a, a good enough offensive line. You have a good enough defensive line now that you've just added a unique Ngakwe, of course, via trade, which I think was probably the, the next weakest position at the time. You Could you remind me real court. quick, did, did they draft Quiddy Pay last year in the draft or was that Baltimore? They okay, they did. No, they, okay. Yeah, they got they got they had a Quiddy Pay who, who wasn't great this year. I will say that I that pick is not looking great right now, but again, it's year one. So he's he's definitely got a chance to turn around and, and be better. Um the Ravens drafted Odafe Owe, Owe, by the way. That's that's the other edge rusher that went to the Baltimore. But um yeah, I mean I I really think that they were already all around so solid that they really didn't have any other needs to go out and spend big money elsewhere. So now they realize that, you know, they probably need to get great quarterback field to win football games. That's probably why they're going to try to go all, all in and find a quarterback, hopefully, this offseason to help lead their team. Or or they're just going to go get Gardner Minshew. 
which looks like the situation they're in right now is they're just going to get Gardner Minshew. Cause if, if we can't have great quarterback play, we might as well get cheap, not great quarterback play. Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to, if you're not going to be good enough to make it to the playoffs, you're going to be bad enough to where you're going to get a top pick next year to be able to get a quarterback that can take you to the playoffs. Right. That's, that's yeah. been the ultimate goal. It's why rookie makes so much sense for them, except they gave up their first round pick to get Carson Wentz last year. So I I just don't know what they're going to do at this point, other than like hope that Pickett falls to the second round or something like that. And just do that game there. Or like, I don't know. I mean, Minshew or, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was their move, but now Jimmy Garoppolo has got injury concerns. So he's not going to get traded. They did technically go all in last year. They just went all in on Carson Wentz and they gave him 25 million last year. And uh, it was a one year contract basically. And they traded a first round pick to get him, and it just didn't work out. I I thought it worked out well enough. Like, I don't think they can find that much better than Carson Wentz. But I guess they're just going to try and find stability. Um, I love that we're analyzing this only from the Colts standpoint because the Washington standpoint just doesn't matter at all. Like, just doesn't matter what they do. They're going to go seven and ten with Carson Wentz as their quarterback and just might sneak into a meaningless playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, Washington's in a, in a really odd position because this is still a huge upgrade for them when it comes to adding Carson Wentz, right, and, and losing. Uh, you know, Taylor Heineke or Ryan Fitzpatrick, whoever was supposed to be the starter there. I don't know. Uh, it's still definitely an upgrade for them. The team got better as a whole, right? I mean, they, they got better without in Carson Wentz. But at the same time, are they good enough again to, you know, be better than the, the Cowboys, maybe even the Eagles now? Like, I, I don't think so. So they're going to be in a really odd position where, you know, they're, they're improving, but they're not improving enough to be able to be a real, real contender with all these other teams moving around. But I will say in the NFC, it really feels like the NFC – uh, for for like bottom tier playoff teams like the, the seven seeds of the world uh it's wide open right now because you know you have a couple of really good teams still out there i think the rams are still definitely gonna be a powerhouse i still think the packers are gonna be really good um i would assume the cowboys are gonna be uh the top team in their division as well this year but you know mm-hmm. when you look at the, the wild card teams i mean you have the 49ers who are okay um you know but have question marks at quarterback of course it might be trey lance season next year we'll have to see um you had it better be like, trey lance season i'm gonna throw a fit if it's not <laughs> trey lance next year <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you have teams like the, the Arizona Cardinals, who I think are certainly good. They were the hottest team in football to start out uh, the first uh, last season. But of course, uh, now there's a lot of question marks. If Kyler Murray's good enough to be their quarterback, what, what are they going to do there? They lost a couple of pieces this year, like Chandler Jones, for example, Chase Edmonds as well, uh, as well as Christian Kirk. So are they going to be as good as what they were last year? I'm not entirely sure either. They have a huge net corner, of course. Um, teams out there like the Minnesota Vikings, who are you know, just always nine and seven, nine and nine and eight. Somehow they're always just right there. They're, they never, they're never, never able to be better or worse. Um, and then the teams like the bears who have a, you know, a promising young quarterback They're they never really added any pieces this off season. So I'm worried how it's going to affect Justin Fields and how well he's able to perform, but they, they do have a young quarterback that's going to be getting better. You have Washington who just added a couple pieces. Um, you know, it, it's, it's wide open for that, like six, seven, maybe even five seeds in the NFC. And it really is just dependent on how teams are able to, have their quarterback perform. If you're in a good car to win season this year, there's a really good chance that Washington football team could be a six or seven seed in the playoffs this year. So we'll have to see how that all works out. But I do think a lot of these teams have a wide open shots of making it because, you know, <laughs> there's no longer Russell Wilson in Seattle anymore, right? Uh, Drew Brees is no longer in 
you know, New Orleans, you're not going to have any of these great quarterbacks anymore. You had Tom Brady returning, of course. You expect Tampa Bay to still be pretty good. Um, but a lot of the especially great in that were, division, especially in that shitty division. <laughs> right, exactly. But but all the great players that were once in the NFC are now either in the AFC or retired at this point. So it's wide open for these other teams who who never really had their chances to have one of those great players. They're going to have chances to maybe, maybe be able to sneak into the playoffs now. Yeah, and this is the the funny part about that is like there were already last year only five good teams in the NFC, and most of them are getting worse. Like I know Arizona is bringing back most of their team, but Arizona is getting worse at this point. Um, getting healthy will also make them better. I'm not saying like Arizona is like going to be worse than they were last year at the end where they're getting smoked by the Lions, but health will help improve them a little bit. Uh, Dallas got worse. Uh, the Packers got a little bit worse, although I think it's more semantics there. Uh, Tampa got worse. Like even the teams at the top are getting worse than they were before. It's like only the Rams are sitting there being like, hey, we're still the kings of the NFC. I guess the 49ers too. the 49ers are in a pretty good position because they can move Garoppolo and make a bunch of additions. But I think still everyone there is even getting worse. So it feels like you could make the argument like, out of the 10 best teams in the NFL, like seven are in the AFC and all of the top five are all in the AFC. And it's just kind of a weird way that it broke down, like how in the NBA, all the great teams used to be in the West for all those years. And then it was just LeBron in the East. It's just, you know, sometimes that's how it works out. Yeah, you know, it, it, exactly. I mean, it, it, it sucks for those teams, but I mean, it, at this point, the AFC is an all all in pretty much on their teams. We see the entire AFC West go basically all in this year. I mean, everyone's going all in in the AFC West. We see a lot of teams in the AFC North going all in right now. It seems like the Cleveland Browns are going all in on Watson. Of course, the Bengals are all in this year, finally getting an offensive line. We see the Ravens going all in as we just hear breaking news that Darius Smith just signed with the Ravens now. So they just get one, a really good edge rush here for $35 million. That's good. Uh, That's four good. years, 35 mil. Yeah, so they're going all in, of course. That's a very, very good team that just had a lot of problems with injuries last year, of course. Um, and, and all these AFC teams, I mean, the Patriots, the, the Bills, they're all going all in because they all have really good rosters and they're capable of winning a lot of games. But the NFC right now is at a point where um, a lot of rebuilding teams, right? A lot of young teams, with, a lot of teams with young quarterbacks or not enough good quarterback play. We have Daniel Jones in the division. We have Matt Ryan in their division. We have... Uh, you know, Justin Fields is a very young quarterback with a lot of capabilities, but hasn't really proved himself yet in that division. We have Trey Lance, a lot of guys who just aren't really good or trustworthy right now. So those teams aren't really prioritizing winning football games right now, right? So they're losing a lot of their free agents. They're prioritizing the draft picks. This is going to be a very dominant, I think, NFC NFL draft this year, if I had a guess, because they're going to have a lot of picks to be able to go out and get a lot of different players, hopefully to add to their rosters. Um, I really do think this upcoming season, we're seeing a big skew in how good the conferences are, uh, at least in my eyes. The AFC just feels so much better than the NFC this year. Okay, so I have one thing that I'd like to yell at and one quiz question for you. Um, first off, uh, Minnesota. You fired your coach. You fired the general manager. You did the hard thing. Why do, why do you want to keep doing this? Why do you want to keep doing the Kirk Cousins 9-7 and seven thing? Like, yeah. you just had to get through this year. He had a 6 million dead cap hit after the season. Like, you could have you gotten rid of him. And they gave him an extension to get cap space this offseason for this free agency. I'm like, you, you didn't have to do that. You don't have to keep giving Kirk Cousins money. Like, just, just wait one year, 
take an L this one year and then just move on. It was so, so dumb. New general manager, new coach. They're still going to tie themselves to Kirk Cousins. I don't understand it <laughs> at all. Um, the other part is how many wide receivers can you currently name on the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, <laughs> okay. So to start out, yes, I totally agree. Don't understand the Vikings extension of Kirk Cousins. Doesn't make any sense. My guess is they, they, Honestly, no, the ex- I, so the really explanation is that it, it signing the extension and restructuring his deal cleared up like 14 deal, yeah. million in cap space right. for this year. Yeah. Which so means, means one more year for cousins. They probably think they can compete this year, right? That that's their assumption. But if they don't, if they aren't able to make the playoffs this year, then that's obviously a very poor move because you're stuck with another year of Kirk Cousins now. So it basically it, it makes it to where the dead cat doesn't hurt as much or where the cat doesn't hurt as much this year, but it's gonna hurt again next year just in a smaller amount. So it's questionable. It's very interesting and, and questionable for sure. But for, for the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, that's a great question. Are we counting Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver? Because I, I think Kyle Pitts is a tight team. end. I know he's their number one weapon. I'm specifically talking about receivers because uh, they were making the point that uh, the top four receivers on the Bucks were all better than the Falcons' best receiver, and then the Falcons or Russell Gage signed with the Buccaneers. Um, I think it might be worse. I think all 10 receivers on the Bucks that Tom Brady threw to last year are better than the Falcons wide receivers. And that includes that made up guy. What is it? Cyril Grayson, who just that is a made up <laughs> football player who caught two touchdowns last year. I think all of them are better than the Falcons wide receivers. The only two receivers I know we're on the Falcons last year that I haven't seen get signed this year. I know Oma Zacchaeus just got re-signed by them. So I know he's there. He's probably the number one guy. Yes. The number one receiver also, is indeed some dude named Zacchaeus, as I like to call him. They also had Pajay Sharp. I don't know if he's still there. I know he was there. He was like their third weapon for a while. Pajay Sharp still- is indeed the second wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons right now. Can you name right. a third? I, I can't. No, no, no chance. No chance. Their number three receiver is someone named Christian Blake. Never heard of him. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Christian Blake was uh, a pick in the 2020 NFL draft. I believe he was undrafted because oh, wow. he doesn't have a draft pick on yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. Um, out of Northern Illinois University. Um, <laughs> the other one is someone named Chad Hansen who looks exactly like a Chad Hansen. It's just, <laughs> he, he, he's basically just Chris Hogan. That's what I'm seeing here. He's basically just Chris Hogan. <laughs> um, fourth round pick out of Cal, uh, who has a career total of 42 targets for 330 yards in his entire career. Wow. How long has he been in the NFL? Uh, he has been in the NFL for five seasons. I believe he caught that one touchdown with the Texans. I think that was that shitty Texans year um, that he, uh, I think is that 2020 Texans year, I think was when he was just a rando that caught his first touchdown during, I think it was against the Bengals. Maybe it might, let's see. No, it wasn't against the Bengals, but he did have uh, his career high in targets that meaningless uh, week 16 game two years ago against the Bengals that I still believe broke J.J. Watt. When when they lost to Brandon Allen, I think that broke J.J. Watt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're probably right. But uh, I've never heard of that guy. I've never heard of either of those guys. I- I'm sure they drafted a guy that I probably know last couple of years. I think they drafted a couple of receivers. 
but uh, do you know who Austin Trammell is? He is undrafted, has no career statistical information. Um, and then the last one listed on the depth chart is someone named Frank Darby. I know him. He plays for, he plays for Arizona State. That is correct. He was a sixth-round yep. pick in last year's draft. You are yep. a crazy yep. person. You are absolutely yep. a crazy person. Well, I used to remember him. that. <laughs> I scouted him. I, I, I didn't know where he went, but I scouted him, and he was about a sixth-round pick. So He had uh, one catch for 14 yards last season. Yeah, so he didn't do anything. Okay, yeah, that, that is... Oh, no, no actually... he had one catch for 14 yards last year. He did do something. He had one catch for 14 yards. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it does not surprise me one bit. <laughs> that, that's, that's where the LA, that's where the Atlanta Falcons are right now. It's, it's quite funny. And all that on top of not having you know, Cordell Patterson either anymore. He's also technically not there. And he was also a big receiving weapon for them last year as well. So they have next to no one anymore. I mean, Calvin Ridley, of course, is gone next season. We know that. We know that Russell Gage is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, which is very interesting signing. I actually kind of liked for I think that was a really good signing for Tampa. Um, but yeah, I mean, their, their two top targets were already gone. Really, the top three targets, we count Cordell Patterson. Um, I expect Kyle Pitts to have a monstrous season this year because he's really the only guy I think is reliable enough to catch a football at this point. Uh, I'm really interested to see where we see them go. I'm guessing I've heard rumors and I'm guessing they probably go wide receiver in the draft this year. I've heard Drake London's thing to watch out for in round one for Atlanta. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. I pick eight. I could also see maybe trading down, trying to acquire other picks, maybe draft a couple of other guys, but man, I mean, the, the fact that I only knew three of those names and one of them did nothing, <laughs> had one catch uh, last year is, is hilarious. I mean, that is un, ungodly bad. Okay, so we've now, or at least I've been doing this podcast now for three years. This is our third year doing podcasts together now. Uh, the entire time that I've had this podcast, and this goes back to when I was like a senior in high school, like I've been making the same joke about the Falcons that it's just, if we never address the defense, eventually it will fix itself. And they're still doing it like multiple GMs, multiple head coaches. They're just like, we're never going to draft a defensive player. Eventually the defense will fix itself and it never fixes itself. And they still never draft defensive players. It's like, I assume that they were going to take a linebacker or a corner or a safety or a D tackle in this year's draft. Nope. They're going to take wide receiver like they do every year. It's either a wide receiver or a tight end every single year in the first round of the draft. And they're just never going to pick defensive players. They're never going to actually try and improve their defense. And it's the most amazing thing ever. That's just how the Falcons are. That's been their entire, that's been their entire thing for years, right? They never really have a a, a defense. They, they, when was the last time we we considered? Was that Super Bowl team even a good defense? You would consider that Super Bowl team was that Super Bowl team okay. was a good defense because that was the year that like Vic Beasley had like I think it was like sixteen. 16 yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, let's yeah, see. yeah. I forget about that. And then they have Grady Jarrett, of course, who was there. Uh, they have a couple of good defensive players. I don't want to sell them short. Grady Jarrett's still there, I believe. AJ Terrell takes a really good corner that I like a lot. Um, they did have uh, Fuyu Saad Alukun. Is that his name? Oh, I can't remember. Foye. So oh, yeah. Foye. You know, I butchered yeah. it this week earlier. He's now on the Jaguars, um, but I butchered yeah, so his he's name gone. earlier. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, that was the best tackler last year. Um, is Deion Jones still there? I believe he is. Um, I think so, but I don't think he was that good. Like, I think I think he wasn't really that great. Let's see. 
Um, Falcons did do a good job in preventing points last year. I will give them credit there. They actually did give up not a lot of points last season. Let's see what their DVOA was at the end of last year. I might be I might be being too harsh on the Falcons defense. Let's see what they finished last year in DVOA. They finished 30th. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> the third worst <laughs> defense last year. I, I just saw on the list, it was like, oh, they only gave up like 18 points per game. They can't be that bad. No, they're just bad. They just got lucky. <laughs> they just didn't give up a lot of points for some reason. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he's been bent but didn't break. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they don't really have a pass rush at all, right? That's another big need for them is defensive line. They need a defensive line big time because they don't really have anyone off the edge to get pressure. Um, I had mocked them for a long time, Jermaine Johnson, but well, now wide receiver is an obvious need that they obviously need to go attack as well. So I don't know if that's going to be where they go. Um, and they have an obvious need. I think they still don't really have a good safety group at all. Uh, I know they still probably need safeties. They probably need some extra corners. They need a linebackers now because they just lost a leading tackler. They need everything on the defense. And on top of that, we're talking about how they're likely pick is going to be on the offense uh, at wide receivers. They have no one on the wide receiver core either. I don't know where their money's being spent on. Is it just Matt Ryan? Is that it? Like I don't. And Dante it. Fowler. They're still paying Dante Fowler so oh, much right. money. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's impressive how poorly they handled it. But I mean. If you can get rid of, of, of Ryan and Fowler and maybe Grady Jarrett down the line, then maybe you have some casties to work out with to be able to get players to build around Kyle Pitts, A.J. Terrell, and this, this team. So they have no one outside of those two guys, really. Okay, so I have finally acquired the, uh, the DVOA rankings of the Atlanta Falcons over the past, uh, you know, past five to six seasons. So the year that they went to the Super Bowl, which was 2016, uh, they actually only had the 20th ranked defense in DVOA that year. So uh, it wasn't actually as good as I remember it being. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, it looks like here, okay, that's 2015, they were ranked 16th. So that's the closest they're going to get there is 2015. They were near halfway. Um it is the year after that second worst in 2014, uh, 2013. Let's see. I'm trying to find out when was the last time they had a top half defense. Uh, they were sixth worst in 2013. So still no, uh, 2012. Okay. 2012. They did have the number ninth ranked defense. So, uh, 2012 was the last time the Falcons had a top 15 defense in the NFL. <laughs> Sorry, wow, 2012. Is, yeah, 10 years ago. It is 10 years ago this year. <laughs> that is insanely bad. That's actually impressive. Uh, is it as impressive as the so Dolphins bad. haven't had a top 10 offense since 1995? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably not as impressive as that. That was a crazy stat. I cannot believe I found that. That was <laughs> that was crazy that was probably as funny as it gets but yeah the Falcons being that bad as well is also very embarrassing I mean it's not just top 10 it's top 15 right so it's like you're not even in the top half the last several years which is really bad so I don't know they've always been a high-powered offense and a pretty poor defense as long as I've known them I remember them I don't remember ever considering the Falcons a good defensive team right I and mean, this is never how they've been in my eyes so uh, I guess it's just how they build their rosters and and I guess how their front office works right because I think when was, I mean, I guess they've had a change in GM now. Um, 
I don't know, maybe, maybe they're finally going to try to go out and try to get a defense now that they have new GMs, new, basically a new front office to work with. We'll, we'll see. It's something that I'm interested in seeing how they attack in the draft. I mean, there's still plenty of time in free agency for them to go out and get a lot of other players as well. There's still a lot that can happen, a lot of great visions still out there. So I'm not leaving at the idea of them going out and signing a couple of good players to be able to add to this roster. So that way they maybe you know find a little bit less uh, needs when it comes to draft time and be able to actually get some guys that can actually plug in the other gaps they need to fill. Uh, the Falcons have like bought, they have 5 million in cap space. I actually want to know where is all their money going? Cause I, I don't understand this part of like, why, why? Oh, Matt Ryan has a $48 million cap hit. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you can't make this up. You, you can't, this is the, this is the most ironic thing ever. You know what just been, you know, it's just released. What? We just got a report from Adam Schefter, uh, who actually retweeted Diana uh, from ESPN. Uh, wide receiver Jarvis Landry will visit the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So they're going to just try and fix it with Jarvis Jar- Landry. Why? Yeah, why? Why would Jarvis Landry nah. want to do that? <laughs> I, you know, they're, they're probably going to overpay him, right? He's going to get overpaid. He's going to have like 700 yards next season, and he's probably going to get cut. <laughs> this is how it works. Oh, man. Why? Jarvis, and, Jarvis made a Pro Bowl in 2020. I don't think he's that bad yet. Like, I think Jarvis I still know. has something in the tank. I mean... He didn't do much last year without OBJ, really. I mean, I don't know. It depends on how many targets he gets. Maybe the Browns just ruined him. I don't know. He he played really well 2020. I'll, I'll give you that. But his 2021 season was rough. Um, he, he didn't do a lot in the 2021 season at all. It really kind of felt like they had little to no passing game in 2021, the Cleveland Browns at least. So uh, outside of the tight ends, really, the tight ends had a pretty good year. But aside from that, you know, we didn't really see a lot from Landry or anyone else. I guess he still led a team in receiving that wide receiver. Um, but even then, I mean, I'm not too sure if that's a considerable upgrade. What about Julio Jones reunion in Atlanta? That'd be pretty. That'd be you know what? Let's do that. Yeah, the the Matt Ryan, who I, I've said before, he's just one hit away from being Ben Roethlisberger. Let's reunite him with old ass Julio Jones. Actually, that should happen. I'm I'm not even like joking about that. That should happen. Julio doesn't need to be like a major piece on a contender. Like his body's broken. Matt Ryan's body's broken. Let's let them retire together. <laughs> just go out in a sad, boring offense with Arthur. Smith, trying to use Cordero Patterson like Derrick Henry. Um, in fairness, uh, Matt Ryan can restructure his deal to create 13 million in cap space. So if they want to, uh, if they want to do that, they can. The problem is they're also trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, and they've told Matt Ryan this, and it's kind of pissed off Matt Ryan. So <laughs> why would Matt Ryan restructure his contract except out of just spiting the organization? They're like, hey, we can get you Jarvis Landry. Bleep off. I'm not going to restructure my contract. That would be the most <laughs> Falcons thing ever. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of things that are the most Falcons thing ever, but that would be one of the most Falcons things ever. Yeah, that, that would be that'd be quite funny. But I mean, I guess it makes sense for the Falcons. I mean, obviously, Jarvis Landry would be their top receiver. They need someone to replace Russell Gage. I guess that's that's the idea, right? Because that's exactly where Jarvis Landry would end up doing in the offense, just being Russell Gage in the offense. And I'd say he's probably better than Russell Gage still, I'd like to think. So maybe it's an upgrade for the Falcons in the long run, but it depends on how much they pay him, right? If they're paying him uh, anything over what? What's, what's the cutoff line there? I'd say anything over eight mil a year, then I'm not very happy with that if I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. 
uh, at least in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, Landry's so you would pay. No, that's disrespectful. I will not have you paying Jarvis Landry less than Zay Jones is making to play for the <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars. But Zay Jones is also being overpaid, right? I mean, the Jaguars <laughs> of course. Yeah, the Jaguars Christian just overpaid everyone a year. Yeah, yeah the, the Jaguars are just the same. This happens every year. It was in 2020. It was the Dolphins. Last year, it was the Patriots. Uh, 2018, it was the Lions. 2019, it was the Jets. 2016, okay. it was the Giants. Like someone does this every year. Just happens to be the Jaguars you know this year. You know what? Maybe I'm just checking Landry. I could see a two-year, twenty million dollar deal or something like that. Right? Like that makes sense. I think. Right. Yeah, sure. And then they'll cut him after a year. Like you said, Jarvis Landry will go to the rotating revolving door of old cor- of wide receivers whose bodies have been destroyed by the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll be how his career comes to him. By the way, the Falcons only have like four players that are making. Um, they only have four players that are over uh, $10 million in cap space. It's just that Matt Ryan is making $48 million next year oh <laughs> is the God. reason that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. Um, they can't really, you know, move him either. Cause it's not like it's easy to reduce his contract. They just, you know, they just are going to pay Matt Ryan a ton of money at the end of the career is his, like I said, one hit away from being Ben Roethlisberger. They're just going to, pay him an exorbitant amount of money with a $40 million dead cap hit this season, $40 million dead cap hit. Man, is it far-fetched to say that re-signing Matt Ryan was the worst decision the front office could have ever made? That's crazy to imagine because Matt Ryan's a good quarterback whenever he got re-signed, right? Like I think a lot of people understood the re-signing. I know he made a lot of money by re-signing him. And of course they were coming off the Super Bowl appearance, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just, that that shocks me that they they're it's not even like it was that much on the front end it's just that they deferred all of their money down the road like they right so when they first signed them exactly yeah it's just this is the repercussions of it is like take a team-friendly deal now and we'll compensate you on the back end so i guess the falcons are just living with the repercussions of that yeah, I mean, that, that's a big reason why I don't like to back in a lot of contracts, right? Like, if, if possible, I would like to front in most contracts. So that way you can, you know, create a pattern where you're able to front in future contracts as well and other future contracts. That way you're always just paying your players on, you know, at the forefront. The Bengals do it in a, in a, in a way that I think I find pretty interesting. They, they don't only really give a lot of guaranteed money out, but all the guaranteed money they give out is year one, right? So they're like, hey, we'll pay you year one if you want. Just after that, you're probably going to make like, you know, a million dollars a year at most. And like, you know, like that's, that's kind of like what you're making after. So that way they're always kind of like the Colts are always in the top end of cap space because they never really put too much guarantees later on the contracts. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see it in the future with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase making loads of money. Of course, they're going to get a lot of guaranteed money easily. But um, when it comes to like, you know, average players like that, they're never giving that much money. It's a big reason why they haven't been able to resign a lot of free agents lately, like Jesse Bates or Carl Lawson, because they don't really like to agree to, not a lot of guaranteed money so it makes sense you know in, in somewhat in terms of cap space but at the same time it makes it to where a lot of players don't want to go there right so teams like the Falcons <laughs> are probably saying like hey take a team-friendly deal we'll compete this year you can get a lot of money in the future but what does that do that screws you over they didn't compete and now they're a losing franchise and they're going to continue to lose by paying a below average quarterback 50 million dollars a year that is crazy that was the kindest way ever to just say the Bengals are cheap <laughs> like yeah. you just, you explained right. it like, see, they, they create contracts that are friendly for their calf space, but it also makes people angry. <laughs> 
yeah, that just means they're cheap. Like they're just incredibly cheap in making their contracts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're very cheap. That, that's exactly how to put it. But I mean, they're cheap in a smart way, though. They're cheap in like if a team if a player is nice enough to take a team friendly deal, that's going to help them out a lot, right? <laughs> if they want to, yeah, like more deal, often than not, make- people regret making the moves that they make. Like the Jaguars will regret sixty percent of the signings that they made. It's just that. The alternative is to continue being terrible. And Trent Balky decided, I'm just going to spend all of our money in three hours on mid-level free agents. Yep, yep, exactly. I mean, that's exactly how it is. But I mean, I, I will also say, um, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to um, the the Falcons, I mean, I, I really do think that this is a team that is still very capable of finding. Uh, a good chance of rebuilding the moment Matt Ryan's able to leave. Like I, I really, really thought if they were able to land Trey, Trey Lance, that'd have been a great position for the Falcons and Arthur Smith. I think that just would have made so much sense to me personally. Uh, and then, you know, and granted, they do have other pieces to work with. I, I really do think though, that I, I almost, I almost want to say just bite the bullet. I don't know how much dead cap they would get from, from, releasing Matt Ryan, but we're seeing it now where a lot of teams are cutting these players that are giving them a, a lot of dead cap uh, hit. Of course, at that point, I would just almost bite the bullet, just say, sorry, you got to go. Right. You know, like just, yeah, just, they, if, they if wouldn't anything, save anything. Any they wouldn't save anything this year, but they would save, you know, 40, $50 million in 2023 cap space. Right. And, and at that point, I mean, Matt Ryan, the biggest problem with Matt Ryan is he's just good enough to where they're always going to get pick eight in NFL draft. <laughs> so it, <laughs> why not? Why not just let him go, take the gig, dead cap hit, uh, be terrible next year, get the number one overall pick, have 40 extra million in cap space, and all of a sudden you're in a really good rebuild mode. Uh, I do think that would be a good place to go, but I'm not going to say cut Matt Ryan right now because obviously this year doesn't make sense if you want to have a chance to win. I, I do think every NFL team entering the season expects to win, right? Is that, is that far-fetched to say? Like, everyone goes in thinking like, hey, we're going to be a good football team. And then after week six, we're like, okay, we're not a good football team. <laughs> like we I think everyone that, likes yeah, to convince themselves. Like, you know, the, the phrase we talk about, like organizations tank, players don't tank. Um, I think that tanking in that respect is decided years in advance sometimes. Like, I think the Eagles decided back in 2020 that they were going to tank And now 2022 comes around and they're like, well, maybe we don't need to go to the top of the draft to tank the way that we thought we did. And, uh, you know, the Jaguars traded Jalen Ramsey with the intention that they were going to get the number one pick two years into the future. So I think that's predetermined. But I think when you're playing, you always go into the year like, hey, you never know what can happen. And then when your team's one in five, you're like, ah, shit, uh, we have to do this for 10 more weeks. That sucks. Um, but I think the Falcons are in an interesting place because even like Trey Lance or not Trey Lance, Justin Fields was on the board last year and we did a bunch of mock drafts where we were like, Hey, Justin Fields makes a lot of sense for the Falcons here. Like the reason they didn't pick him, it seemed like was, you know, Kyle Pitts was considered a blue chip prospect, but also there was no way they were going to be able to move Matt Ryan. Like it was going to be, we're going to have Matt Ryan and Justin Fields for the next year to two years, because there's just no way we can move Matt Ryan off the team. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. Um, but I mean, for, for the, you know, it's funny that, we, you know, we had a like crazy free agency. We're talking about the team that was like the least active in free agency right now in Atlanta, but uh, <laughs> I, do, I do think, I, I, I do think like, I mean, the Eagles were able to do it perfectly. I mean, they, they handled it 
situationally like we see we see how uh they had you know really overpaid Carson Wentz, of course, right? Like Carson Wentz was obviously overpaid. They bit the bullet. They traded him away. They gave him to the Colts. They took on a lot of the cap space. They lost a lot of money. Granted, he wasn't making as much as Matt Ryan, but he still was making a pretty good bit. Um, so you, you know that, you know, they're able to bite the bullet. They went out and got Jalen Hurts to be the starter, of course. That, 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 was their, that was their move that they decided to make. And now they're able to clear up the dead cap that Carson Wentz was once holding. They have a lot of cap space. Now they're able to go out and get extra weapons. The Falcons should have done that. But, like, they shouldn't have made the contract problem in the first place. They should have made it to where it was a lot more spread out evenly throughout the seasons. I think it's a really bad, you know, I, I really think backloading a contract is the worst thing you can do in sports, in my opinion, especially for quarterbacks. It just doesn't make sense. If they're playing good now, pay them now and then worry about it later, right? But I would assume mm-hmm. also quarterbacks want the guarantee of being able to be paid for the future. So it does make sense in a certain way how the negotiations would work. Again, I'm not an NFL GM, so I'm really not sure how it works. But uh, for the Falcons that backloaded, they were just asking for problems. And that's that's really where all that kind of uh, rise from. And now we're starting to see them roll with Olamide Zacchaeus as their wide receiver one, maybe Jarvis Landry there as well. We'll see. But they have no one at, at all anymore. Like, this is yeah. This is going to be one of the worst teams in football for sure next year. Well, I think the backloading of contract benefits players more because players get long-term financial security in the event that Matt Ryan can't make $48 million right now. There's no way Matt Ryan can make $48 million. So he wanted to secure that part long-term. Like it's bad for general managers and front offices sometimes, but it's also really good for players to backload their contracts because they can guarantee long-term financial security after you know, after they they played on a rookie contract and they got underpaid, now Matt Ryan can get way overpaid at the end of his career. It's a really messed up system that sports have where you're underpaid when you're a rookie and then you get maybe if you're good enough, incredibly overpaid once you're an old guy. You're absolutely correct. I don't know why we spent 30 minutes talking about the Atlanta Falcons who are going to be just piss poor terrible next year. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, it's it, it should be. I, I do think they're in a fascinating scenario, though, because in a couple of years, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about them as being one of the biggest players of the offseason, I think, right? Like, we haven't really seen that offseason. I feel like we're always so used to it being the Jaguars, the Jets, someone like that's always at the bottom that's going to be in a paying a lot of players and beaters. Yeah, Detroit, as well, Detroit, yeah, Detroit yeah, it's always the Giants, teams. uh, Carolina's I, tried doing it a little bit. <laughs> Right, yeah, but I do think there's a good ch- there's a good scenario where we see that the Falcons have maybe a top. I don't know. I, I guess the, t- the Falcons did have about pick four or five last year, so I guess they technically were a top player last year as well. But I, I do think that in the future we're going to see the Falcons with one of those top picks in the draft and hopefully fifty plus million in cap space to be able to go out and sign a lot of guys. I think if they're able to be in that scenario, they can make it work because they're not they're not like the Jaguars and the and the Jets. They're able to still win games even without a lot of talent on their team, right? But they're also like not good enough to where they're able to be a contender <laughs> either. So it's it's rough. So it really depends. I think if they go all in, they could be a pretty solid team again at the NFC. We'll have to see them. Well, I ask you the same question that we talked about earlier with the star players. Like, does any of that matter if the Falcons don't have either the game changing quarterback or the game changing linebacker slash, you know, Aaron Donald type? Like, I don't know if it matters unless they can get that generationally great player and maybe Kyle Pitts will be that like maybe Kyle Pitts is a you know first ballot hall of fame talent who will shine through all of the incompetence of the Atlanta Falcons but like 
when we talked about the Seahawks and when we talked about the Eagles, like those teams turned it around pretty quickly. Like the Seahawks didn't, the Seahawks did the hard thing and, you know, maybe they'll speed it along. It feels like the Falcons have been in this like purgatory for like three years now where it's like, will they keep Matt Ryan? Won't they keep Matt Ryan? Are they trying to win? Are they not trying to win? Like it seems like the Falcons are always, kind of stuck right now as other teams do it quicker. Like the, the Eagles suffered the, the shame of trading Carson Wentz. And I think they're in a better position for it. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause I think the Eagles are the team most prone for regression this year because they were like eight and one in, in one possession games or like eight and one against one uh, teams below 500. Um, but even still, it feels like they're in a better position than the Falcons. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, the Falcons are, you know, paying a below average quarterback fifty million in football is going to put you in the worst positions ever, right? So uh, the Falcons are in a terrible position right now that they don't have any money to be able to go out and sign good free agents a lot of money because they can't afford it with Matt Ryan making the amount of money he is. So it, it makes sense. <clears throat> it makes sense to 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 for the Falcons to be in a bad position. And it honestly surprises me to look back on it now that the Falcons were uh, already so adamant on looking to find a new coach now and Arthur Smith last year, thinking about it because you really set him up for failure. What is he going to do with this roster this year? He's not going to do anything, you know, and it doesn't make a lot of sense in that, in that case. But I guess now that Arthur Smith is able to maybe have a couple of seasons to get under, you know, get coaching under his wing, like be able to understand how to be a head coach and things like that. Maybe then the next year, I think in 2023, we're going to see the Falcons, like I said, have a lot of money, be able to go out and get a lot of pieces. Hopefully Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith finds some of his guys that he likes to be able to sign. And maybe all of a sudden we see the Falcons start to be contenders. But to answer your question originally, um, you know, I mean, it depends. I mean, are, are the Falcons looking to be a Super Bowl contender again? Uh, if that's the case, then you would have to have a really good superstar player to roll with. You have to find a really good quarterback or a really good defensive player or anything. You have to find a star to, to find. I mean, if you if you want to be good again, you have to get a great quarterback to start out with, right? And that's why I thought Trey Lance made a lot of sense. That's why I really like Justin Fields potentially going to the Falcons. That's why I, I really thought that, you know, just, just prioritizing a good quarterback would make a lot of sense. But I do think that, uh, if you're able to get a good superstar player, then all of a sudden, yeah, you can definitely start to find a good playoff run potentially. You know, what's funny is that last year, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the GM. I think it's like Terry Fontaine or something like that. Um, he came from the Saints. I remember that. But the the GM and the coach, which is Arthur Smith, they were given the chance to move off of him. And Arthur Smith had said, I think it was like February last year where he was like, uh, we think we can build a winning team with Matt Ryan. We evaluated the landscape. We got to have a blank slate. The ownership said, you don't have to keep Matt Ryan if you don't want to. They evaluated the landscape and said, we'll build around Matt Ryan. And I don't think that's going to work. I think they're going to be the ones who, or at least Arthur Smith's going to take the fall. After like three years, Arthur Smith is probably going to be the one to take the fall of like, hey, sorry, we didn't put the best roster around you. Now you lost because, you know, you, had, you thought you could save 36-year-old Matt Ryan's career. And I think that that's probably the result that's going to happen just because if I had taken over the Falcons, then I would have done the teardown thing. I would have done the let's get whatever we can get for Matt Ryan and get you know, take the bat, the one year of the bad contract. And then this year we could have cleared up all that cap space to be able to sign people. But uh, obviously Matt Ryan is still not terrible as a quarterback. Like we talked about the, the Colts have been desperately trying to find a quarterback for the last five years and they haven't been able to replace Andrew Luck. And so I understand the Falcons hesitancy to be like, 
Matt Ryan ain't great, but Matt Ryan's not bad either. So we're just going to ride it out with him for the last, whatever, five years of his career that we might have. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's also a, a, you know, a possible scenario, but I just hate that for fans, right. To waste just so many seasons just doing that. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I've been a big, you know, believer in either being the worst team in the NFL or the best team. That's all. That's, that's how I've always kind of appreciated. Now, if I, if that was if that was my mindset, being an NFL coach next level, I would be fired pretty quickly, probably. Right. So if I'm not mm-hmm. winning right now, I'm probably losing a lot of games, and I'd be fired. But at the same time, you have to you have to have these bad seasons in order to be able to be great again. Unless you're Bill Belichick, obviously, he's able to stay great consistently because he's insane. Like I'm, I'm not Bill Belichick, so I can't do that. But I, I do really think that you have to have star power. In order to have star power, you have to have draft picks, high draft picks, hopefully, to be able to get the stars. You have to have a lot of cap space to be able to sign the stars, right? And the only way you can do that is if you're able to, you know, end up, you know, having the cap space and, and, and money necessary to where, you know, you're going to have to be able to sign guys to minimum deals, to smaller deals, who are probably not as good as other players to be able to go out and play. That's what the, that's what the Houston Texans have been doing for so long now. They've been signing these mediocre players, right? You have Christian Kirksey, Pharaoh Brown, these guys who are just you know average players <laughs> who are being re-signed to these deals. And they're, they're setting themselves up to, once they trade to Sean Watts, they're going to be big players. You're going to be able to try to get stars, whether it's in the draft or free agency. They're going to go out and get a lot of different guys. That's why I was so so that's why I really like the Houston Texans, what they've been doing despite the really bad situation they've been put in. They're, they're really making it to where, yeah, they're going to suck these next couple of years. But once they're – and as long as they're not going to keep Davis as a quarterback, they need to find another quarterback. As long as they're not <laughs> a quarterback, I do really think they're in great position for the future. I do think they can be a good football team again. And the thing is, they're going to – both the Texans and the Jaguars are probably going to peak once the Colts and the Titans bottom out. So I think they're going to – we're going we're to see a change of guard in the AFC South in the future where maybe in like four or five years, we're seeing the Texans and the Jaguars at the top. And we're talking about the, t- the Titans and the Colts being teams that might need to try to find another quarterback or something like that. I agree with you on the Titans. I think the Colts are pretty set because three years ago, they drafted Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard in the same draft, which was yeah. the first time since Dick what? Butkus and Gail Sayers that all pro play all pro teammates were drafted in the same draft as rookies. Um, so I think they're going to be, pretty good for a while because like the Texans can only dream of getting one of those guys in a single NFL draft class. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. But I mean, are the Colts able to retain those guys? I guess is my question, right? You, you keep the over I hope so. And Darius Leonard money. Well, <laughs> yeah. at the same time, though, are you, are you going to go out and get another quarterback? Because it really depends what they do with quarterback as well. So they're going to have to really try to, try to decide what they're going to be able to do with the cap space they have. Because we, we know that the Colts have cap space, but are they going to are they going to spend it on those three positions so they're going to pay Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, and, and uh, you know, um, their, their future quarterback a lot of money? I don't know, because if they do, then you're going to have other guys out there who are good, such as, you know, maybe a Michael Pittman in the future or guys like that who are going to be asking for money as well, and you're, you're not going to be able to afford them. So it's tough to be able to figure out what you're going to do, because if you if you take an entire offseason to pay Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard, your other free agent's going to walk. And that's a big problem I agree. that the, the yes. Colts are in right now. I agree the Colts are going to be worse. I just think there's no chance they're going to be worse than the Texans. Because the Texans, as someone who now covers the Houston Texans for the Believe Podcast Network, you can check out Believe in Texans every Tuesday, available with the link in the description to this episode. As someone who now covers the Houston Texans, like that franchise is so bad. And I don't really see a great path for them to acquire another 
like game changing type of player. They might get some like all pro players in there. I think that might that might close the gap a little bit. I think for the Texans, like they're obviously going to get better once they spend money and once they actually try to win. But man, they are in such a bad place as an organization. Jacksonville's, I guess Trevor Lawrence is the key for Jacksonville, right? Like you, it seems like you don't really like the moves that the Jaguars made in free agency this year. Uh, so I feel like all of this comes down to how good or how bad Trevor Lawrence is going to be. Cause right. he's the, he's the big ticket item. Like he's the guy who we all think is going to be a generational star, but we just don't know because last year was such a tire fire for the Jaguars that we just don't know exactly what it's going to be. So I think that the Jaguars case has some merit to it. The Texans are in, in some, the Texans have gone eight and 25 the last two years, and they only have Davis Mills, Rex Burkhead, and whatever the number three pick in this year's draft is to show for it. Well, let's, well I, actually, I'm glad you mentioned this. because I want to talk about the Jaguars offseason so far because they have been the biggest players, I would say, in the offseason. But can I just talk about how bad all of these contracts are? There's a couple of okay <laughs> signings that I understand. Um, Brandon Scherf is probably the one that makes the most sense, right? You get a good offensive guard to match up with Trevor Lawrence. This guy's also missed 22 games in four seasons. So, mm-hmm. you know, doing the math, that's like about a third. Six a year. The, just, about six a year. Yeah. I mean, that's that. Yeah, you're, you're not he's not reliable enough to be that that great right? to be the highest um, paid right guard in the, in the history of the NFL. Right. Yes. Um, it, you, I believe you, he is right now. It's either him or Joe Tooney, but I think it's him. I'm not 100 percent sure, though. You also released Miles Jack, who was probably your one of your best you know, future weapon or your future players in the future and, and down the line. Now I know he didn't have a great season last year, but I definitely think Miles Jack is still a guy that they could build around. Instead you get, uh, you know, we get Foye Alukun, uh, who I think is okay maybe, but I do think it was an overpay. I do think you paid him quite a bit of money for someone that just had one good season last year. Uh, granted it was a great season. He had like what, 190 tackles, but is it, good enough to be able to make that much money i don't know i don't really think that was a great signing but again those those are the two signings that if i had to talk about i don't think they were terrible right here's where it gets really bad um you know fadu kasi is that his name these are really tough names to pronounce. Um, oye is what the, i've been calling him right or is it no 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 no. the other guy uh follow ronsu fadu kasi is that the defensive tackle Yes. Yes. Okay. And he, yeah. He's not again. He's he's not bad, but he is again overpaid. Um, uh, I don't. I don't really. He's not really a, a, a good pass rusher at the next level. More of a run stopper kind of guy. So I really don't know how it's going to affect their defensive line a lot. And it's a, kind of an overpay, at least in my eyes. You paid Christian Kirk four years, eighty-four million dollars. Right. I mean, that is ungodly terrible. Now, granted, again, it wasn't a lot of guaranteed money, but. There is a lot of incentives and stuff like that. If Christian Kirk meets the bare minimum of the incentives, you're paying this guy $20 million a season to be an average wide receiver two, right? Like that is. That oh, is no, no. He's the wide receiver one in their offense now, which is kind of incredible. No, because no, no. The, no but but yeah. talent wise, talent wise, oh, he's of wide, course, an no. average yeah. wide receiver two. Yeah, of course. No, of, of course. He, he had a really good contract year. He had a good year to have a contract year. Right. No one, you, no you, one believes you're paying in Evan him. Ingram. You're paying Evan Ingram nine million dollars, right? Fully guaranteed. You're you're paying a bad tight end 
a very bad tight end, nine million dollars <laughs> fully guaranteed. And and not not to mention, not to mention, you have LaVisca Chenault, Jamal Agnew, and now Christian Kirk, who all three play in the slot. Why are you also adding <laughs> another slot receiver in Evan Ingram? That's four <laughs> slot guys who are all three playing. All right. That's so great. Okay. Oh my god. I didn't even other- realize that. That's so good. Just, uh, a lot of receivers on this roster. They're all going to be lining up next to each other pretty much the entire game. Yeah, right? and just Zay Jones, have, Zay Jones one-on-one against Jalen Ramsey. Two, <laughs> yeah, you only have two average outside receivers. It's Marvin Jones, who's very old, right? He's, he's getting old and not going to be the same in the future. And Zay Jones, who is, is on a three-year deal. He wasn't terrible last year, but I do really think that, you know, again, he, he's – He's not your wide receiver two. He's not really your wide receiver three. He's he's there. You know, he's not bad. Um, it's a three-year deal. He's also getting overpaid as well. How much did he make? Eight mil, nine mil? Uh, Zay Jones uh, is year, eight so. mil with the possibility as high as 11 million per year. Yeah, so easily overpaid because he's not a good wide receiver. Like, he's, he's average, I would say, right? He's an average receiver. Uh, and then Darius Williams, who, again, is an average corner. But you're playing him three years, $39 million. That's $13 million a year for an average corner who, you know, I mean, the, the, the Rams let him go. They were fine letting him go. He was not a great corner last year for them. They really just had Jalen Ramsey in that corner room. He's five foot nine, so he's going to get overpowered, and he's, a, he's not a very tall guy. So, I mean – there's nothing makes sense about this offseason for the Jaguars. This it actually like upsets me for Trevor Lawrence. I really don't know what's going to happen. They might be okay because they, you know, they, they added a, a good offensive guard to give Trevor Lawrence some more time in the pen to, to work with. But overall, the wide receiver core got worse, in my opinion. I think DJ Chark is better than Christian Kirk. I would have resigned DJ Chark over Christian Kirk personally. I, I don't think Jake Jones is great. I don't understand the idea of having four slot receivers. Just don't get it at all. I mean, Evan Ingram's technically a tight end, quote-unquote, but he's not really a tight end either. He's a receiver who can't catch a football, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Besides, um, they traded C.J. Henderson for Dan Arnold, so they still have Dan Arnold as a true tight end. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you traded one of your best pieces for the future for Dan Arnold. So that, that sums everything up. You released Miles Jack. You took any sort of chance to have a future and threw it away for Evan Ingram. Like, I don't <laughs> understand that at all. Okay. Don't I do understand. understand I, okay. To play devil's advocate for the Jaguars, I do understand it is that they said, we're going to give Trevor Lawrence every possible chance to succeed that we can give him. And as the Jag- Trevor Lawrence is like, good, so you're going to get me talented players? No, no. we're going to get you <laughs> mid-level players. We're going to get you lots of mid-level players because we can't get talented players. So let's just get as many mid-level players as we can possibly get because no one wants to go play for the team that just had the abuser as their head coach for the last year. Yeah, Um I, we'll have to see what they do in the draft. They have some draft picks to go out and get better players. So they, they can definitely redeem themselves through the draft, right? Yes, they will um, get an edge rusher. Agency, they will get an edge rusher. Is always, free agency is always meant to be the, the just fill in the gaps so that way you can draft BPA in the draft, right? And, and granted, they are, they are getting starters to play, right? They have, they've added five, six, I would say six new starters to the team. So they're in a great Plus position. Plus Travis Etienne, who hasn't played for them yet. Exactly. Yes. So, mm-hmm. but they also have James Robinson already too. So I don't really know if that's, I don't know how it's going to work. It makes sense a lot, make a lot of sense to me, but still, it's whatever. Technically uh, speaking, a first round pick, they still technically right. add a first round pick the same way that the Bengals technically added a first round pick when Jonah Williams missed an entire season. Yeah. Right. Yes. 
Um, so yeah, technically I, they're, they're going to add talent. So they're in a position right now where, you know, you don't need a quarterback. You don't really need a running back. Um, you, you're going to be able to add best player available through the draft next couple of years. Right. But you paid so many average players, a lot of money, <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of money. And if you're not able to hit on these draft picks, even if you do, if you hit on these draft picks, you're paying Christian Kurt $20 million in 2024, 2025. You're not going to be able to go out and get free agents to fill the holes of the players that did not work out. <laughs> That's and, the problem. And yeah. right? By the way, this is the thing people do when they draft Jamar Chase, when they draft Joe Burrow, when they draft, I don't know, who's a team that went from worst to first? The Cardinals draft Kyler Murray and draft Buda Baker. Like those are the type of moves you make then. They've already missed. Yeah, exactly. That you supplement the great players you have on rookie contracts. The Jaguars missed on every single pick. Every pick has been terrible. CJ Henderson already gone. Clavon Chase on already a bust. They just cut Miles Jack, who is, you know, he's obviously older now, but he was a the one pick that they kept around through the the Duval County beat great defense days. Like Travis Etienne's not looking great right now. The only one they're still holding out hope for is Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think he can survive that much going catastrophically wrong around him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, it's, it's brutal. It really is brutal because they have a lot of needs still. They added a couple of guys. Like I said, they, they, they cleared up some needs, but there's still needs out there. But yes. is there, is there a star on this team? Who, who is the best Jaguar here right now? I would say it's Josh Allen, the edge rusher, right? Would you yes. Say he's the that's the one the that worked out. I will say that's the one pick that did work out. Outside of Josh Allen, is there any all-star caliber player? I think Brandon Scherf as well. I'll give you Brandon Scherf. Out of, outside of Brandon Scherf or Josh Allen, is there any all-star caliber player on this roster? No. I'm going to throw out Jamal Agnew only because Jamal Agnew made all pro as a punt returner. And also, <laughs> okay. he is he is okay. the only... <laughs> I want to just Jamal give... Agnew because he's, he's I don't know I don't, I don't no I Agnew. no I just want to give him props because he is the only NFL player currently playing that went to my high school so I would like to throw That's him cool. props okay. yes yeah he he he's he's really impressive I honestly thought they could have just rolled Jamal Agnew as their future slot receiver but they said nope let's get three other guys because so, he's a corner um, he doesn't play slot receiver he's just a corner and a punt he can play slot receiver too. Listen, I went to that Jaguars Bengals game live and watched that insane catch. He had a toe drag swag catch that he had against the Bengals. Like I could play receiver. I go out there and play my receiver. Is he a great corner? I don't I don't really I don't know. I don't never really watch Jamal Agnew play corner, I guess. I really can't yeah, he was just, on it. He was a sixth round pick who played punt returner for the Lions, and that's what's kept right. him in the NFL. And now he got a chance to play not on special teams. They're like, we don't really know where to put him. He's just really fast. (laughs) We don't really know whether to cover or whether to beat people on routes. They're kind of trying to figure that out as they go. But to your point, um, the Jaguars are in what I like to call Sacramento Kings or New York Knicks purgatory now, which is they are the worst team in the NFL that is actively trying to win. And that mean that can get you to at least like the seventh pick in the draft. Like you can at least get the seventh pick in the draft just by trying to win. Like, because there are usually every year, six teams that are tanking. So, you know, you can at least beat those teams by actively trying to win. Uh, you, you really got to hope Trevor Lawrence has a breakout season next year for the Jaguars stand because 
or or maybe Christian Kirk goes off. Maybe you have uh, Foye Aluakun uh, have a great season again. Maybe you just got a really good line. Yeah, maybe, maybe one of those guys becomes a Pro Bowler. Like maybe right. one of those guys becomes a Pro Bowl caliber star. And in that case, it it it's not perfect, but at least it's not as catastrophically bad as we think it's going to be. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, if if what I said is true, and there is not a Pro Bowler on this roster aside from maybe Brandon Scherf. Uh, Josh Allen, maybe, and we'll say Joel Agnew is a punt returner, right? I mean, they have no stars on this team. They're paying a lot of people to be stars when they're not stars, right? So you really got to hope that you hit on these draft picks to have a chance of competing because, you know, you're, you're one, banking on Trevor Lawrence being a top quarterback for the future. You're two, banking on that all these picks are going to hit. And then three, you're going to, you're banking on all these free agents who just signed with max contracts who have not shown, you know, to be stars are going to be stars again. I, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. That one of my biggest losers of this offseason has been the Jaguars, despite them paying a lot of money to other teams or to other players. They spent one, some of the most money. They're probably one of the most improved teams, but I, I will say that they are one of the biggest losers of free agency this year. If I had to give winners right now, I'd probably say, uh, the Chargers are definitely winners in my eyes. I'd say the Ravens are winners right now as well. I, I would probably say the Jets as well. I think are pretty good winners of this free agency. Um, there's a couple of winners out there, uh, but the Jaguars, the Falcons as well. I'd say the Falcons are losers. They haven't really done anything. Um, yeah, it's more fun to laugh at the losers than it is to talk about the people who are doing good things. The Bears. Yeah. <laughs> the Bears Fair. went out and paid – Ogan Joby three years, $40 million and did absolutely nothing else. <laughs> hey, we have a rule here on the podcast is that I will not seriously discuss the Chicago bears until week one of next season, because anything they do will not matter. They have no cap space. They have basically the entire conversation is how good Justin Fields is going to be. And we won't find out till next year. So good on the bears for doing whatever it is they did that we will not discuss because we have an embargo on Chicago bears talk because none of it is important. They're going to be terrible next year. Uh, and now we know who their coach is. It's going to be Eberflus. And I don't, yep. I don't know who their offensive coordinator is, actually. Who is their offensive <laughs> coordinator now? Not sure either. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Bears are definitely losers as well. You, you pay, Larry and Jimmy's a, a good three-tech. I, I will say he played really well last year. But you also just lost Akeem Hicks. So you just paid a guy Akeem Hicks's number. Akeem Hicks's contract basically could be worse than Akeem Hicks, pretty much. I mean, the, the team just got worse and pay a guy forty million to be worse. Like I'm, I don't know. I, I love Larry Ogunjobi. I wanted him to be back for the Bengals. But the Bengals never really had great three texts anyways. They're all, you know, they're honestly they're above average three texts. Right? Akeem Hicks is a really good player, and you just lost him pretty much. Unless they're able to resign him, you pretty much just lost Akeem Hicks and replaced him with Larry Ogunjobi, which in my eyes is a downgrade. And you know, maybe you saved a couple million in cap space, but you're also overpaying Larry Ogunjobi as well. You're paying him what thirteen million dollars a year, thirteen point three million dollars a year. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. I really don't get that. But again, I'm not a GM. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they have a plan. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna pretend like I know what I'm doing and they don't. Because uh, I want to say I'm just a fan. But at the same time, I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just insane to me how uh, some of these teams just look at the roster and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna overpay for this guy. And now I'm set. <laughs> like, we have a body of work to suggest the Bears probably are doing this wrong. By the way, their offensive coordinator is someone named Luke Getze, who was previously the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the Green Bay Packers. So they, they, they plucked him from Nathaniel Hackett's staff 
And now he gets to be their quarterbacks coach, which, uh, you know, good for Luke Getze. We'll see if that works out for, for him as offensive coordinator of the terrible Chicago bears offense. Um, who else is a loser here? Um, the giants are losers by association. Uh, yeah. if we're going to, if we're just going to talk about, you know, teams that didn't do well in free agency, it's probably them. Um, Usually teams that spend in free agency get better. It's just that in a salary cap sport, it compromises their long-term future. I will say if Deshaun Watson does not go to the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns are huge losers of this free agency. (laughs) Because I've heard rumors that no matter what happens, Baker Mayfield's probably gone at quarterback. So we're probably talking about Baker being gone now on top of you know, if they don't get Watson. And I've heard that if they don't get Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo is potentially their replacement idea. Oof. So if, if they Oof. don't get Watson, this is a big L for the Cleveland Browns. I'll say that as well. Um, and, and honestly, I guess for same, for the, same for the Saints and Panthers. If they don't get Watson, it's L's for all three of those teams because they're basically they, – they basically are taking away their entire future pretty much uh, as well as not really paying for any players in, in free agency to, you know I – mean, we, we just saw the the – Saints willingly go out and downgrade from Marcus Williams to Marcus May uh, just so they can have enough money to be able to trade for Deshaun Watts, who might not even go there, right? So for the, whoever does not get Deshaun Watts, they're, they're, they're automatically losers as well. I'll say that. Well, so this is the part we talked about with the sustainability of the Colts earlier, right? Which is the Saints are living with the repercussions of we had the window maximized. We had the generationally great quarterback. So we just went all in and said to hell with the future, right? Like we just, the Colts have the flexibility and cap space waiting for the right opportunity for them to be able to go all in. If it never comes, it never comes because they don't get the quarterback, but they're just waiting for the opportunity to go all the way in. And like, if say Andrew Luck magically came out of retirement and was four years younger, they would be spending all of their money to try and maximize that window. The saints did that when they had the chance and now they're just living with the repercussions of it. And, you know, in actuality, the saints are probably going to be bad for a decade now, just because they got the perfect combination that everyone's trying to get, which is they found the hall of fame quarterback in free agency and got a hall of fame coach in a hall of fame scheme in the same year. And then they rode that for 15 years. And now they're just living with the repercussions of, we tried to go all in to maximize that. And now we're just going to suck for the next five years, or at least we're going to be mediocre for the next five years or stuck in the middle or something like that. Like the saints are just trying to like hail Mary, try and save themselves from 10 years of mediocrity. Yeah. I mean, and, and I understand that as well. Again, it makes sense for all these teams to go all in on a really good quarterback, right? Um, like I understand that from the from the franchise perspective. If you want to win football games, you're probably best off with Watson over any other quarterback to be available right now. But again, you're you're sacrificing the rest of your team, right? And and especially for a team like the Cleveland Browns, who I thought, you know, even even after a pretty disappointing season last year, they're still capable of being a playoff team with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Now you've pretty much just told Baker Mayfield, you're not going to be here much longer. Uh, he, he wants to leave now. And now you're really worried that, um, that you know, if you don't get Watson, all of a sudden you're without a quarterback. And that's going to put the Browns back in the position where they were several years back where they were getting a new quarterback every draft. Uh, Still so have Case Keenum, though. They'll always have Case Keenum just hanging out back there. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's there. Yeah, He's Case Keenum. So. He's Case Keenum. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a big risk the Browns are taking right now. And, and you know, we didn't even talk about this, but the Falcons are also supposed to be on the, the Watson train as well. So I, I, I guess they might be willing to get rid of Matt Ryan's contract to get Watson. I don't really know how it's going to work. I doubt Watson would want to go there. <laughs> so no, it was so, I'm, so I'm not going there. They don't have to absorb the dead cap hit. If the team they trade Matt Ryan to Texans or otherwise, if the team they trade him to is willing to take on the contract, then they don't have to absorb the dead cap hit because the team's willing to take the contract. So, like for example, I don't think Texans wouldn't do that though. It wouldn't make sense for them to rebuild in that case, right? It would. I, I think the more likely scenario is like a three-team trade where like it goes one direction and then immediately goes to another team who wants Matt Ryan, and you know, maybe it, the the Falcons or any team doesn't have cap space, so like the Texans are in a unique position where they absorb cap space. But even if Matt Ryan goes somewhere else, or even if Baker Mayfield goes somewhere else, like the thing that's interesting there is like with remember the, the Carson Wentz trade, um, we talked about how the Colts, um, the Colts were just trying to save money by getting rid of Carson Wentz. Like if they cut him, they would save $14 million. And they got the they got Washington to take the entire contract like they didn't have any or I think a minimal dead cap hit because Washington took the entire Carson Wentz contract. I think that's why they traded him for less than what they could have gotten for him. Like, I think they only got two thirds, I think, for Carson Wentz, which I think. <laughs> if Sam Darnold's going for a second and a fifth, they probably under they got less than they could have for Carson Wentz. But because Washington was willing to take the entire contract, they were willing to take less in a trade in order to move all of the money. And now the Colts have the most cap space in the NFL. So it's not a dead cap hit if the team they trade him to is willing to absorb all of the money on the contract, which... Again, the Lions did the same thing last year where they took all of Jared Goff's money and the Rams threw in an extra first round pick to do it because they paid one first round pick for Stafford and one first round pick for the Lions to eat Jared Goff's contract. So that was kind of the workaround deal there. Yeah, so you'd probably end up having to pay an extra bit if you're the Falcons, but even then, you're also banking on Watson wanting to be a Falcon. I feel like that's just not going to happen, right? I mean, even if they trade Matt Ryan elsewhere, right? Like, even if they trade him to, I don't know, the Colts, like the, the, the Colts might absorb some of the money, and in exchange, the Falcons get less on a trade for Matt Ryan. Like, that's entirely exactly. a possibility, yeah. too. So, I think the Falcons have decided that like doing the dump and wasting a season tanking to the top of the draft wasn't what the GM and the coach wanted to do. Um, You know, I think they would have probably gotten fired anyways, but they wanted to try and win with Matt Ryan as their quarterback, or at least try and upgrade from Matt Ryan at some point and didn't like Justin Fields at number four, I guess they just, that, that wasn't the quarterback they wanted to try and build with. They, whatever their evaluation said, they didn't want to draft Justin Fields. And, you know, now they're, I guess, want to try and trade for Deshaun Watson, which, okay, if you want to trade for the sexual predator, go for it. But the Falcons are kind of just in this place where they're like, we don't really know exactly what we want to do at this point. And they can get out of it as long as another team is willing to absorb $40 million of Matt Ryan, which, I, I think is the closest thing to untradeable there is in the NFL. Like, I don't think any contract yeah. is truly untradeable, but the closest thing you're going to get to untradeable is $40 million of Matt Ryan. Right. 
yeah, no, that, that I, I do agree with that. It does make sense. I, I do think that it would make sense that the Falcons are able to take Matt Ryan and get rid of his contract and give a first-round pick in the process. That would be a huge win for them, by the way, right? Because I think that would be amazing if they were able to do that. I, again, I just don't – unless you're a team like the the Lions, maybe, who have already done it with, with Jared Goff, like I don't see the Colts doing it realistically because they, they are a team that's wanting to win. I don't think Matt Ryan's a win-now quarterback for anyone. So it would depend on what team's willing to do that. I mean, I don't think it's why Washington was so perfect. Washington was so perfect for him. Yeah, him and true. Ron Rivera were just meant to be together, and they chose Carson Wentz true. instead. Yeah, yeah, that that was probably the best suitor. Is probably Washington, and they of course took Wentz instead. I, I bet the Colts were adamant in doing that quicker because they knew that maybe the Falcons could do it with Matt Ryan beforehand. But I don't really know if there's a team out there now that would realistically want to play him, start him, and still lose. Uh, yes, <laughs> especially so I, I when don't... you only have to take 25 million of Jimmy Garoppolo. Like you can take 25 million of Jimmy G or 40 million of Matt Ryan. Like right. no one you wants 40 million of Matt Ryan when 25 million of Jimmy G is available. Right. I guess your best hope now would probably be the Panthers, maybe. Is that far-fetched? I guess they have to though. <laughs> that would know. be so pathetic, but entirely yeah. possible. I mean, you threw out Cleveland when we were doing the, the mock situation. Like, if the Falcons are willing to eat some of the contract, they could do a Matt Ryan for Baker swap like you threw out when we did our quarterback carousel right. roulette. Like, I think that hey, still... Know- is there it's funny because it's still possible right like they, that can still happen like with the, with the way it's looking right now you definitely think baker's on his way out of cleveland so maybe they do try to go get matt ryan instead but the the browns are in a win, win now mode i feel like that's a move that just ruins their entire win now persona like the, their entire goal to win now it's so, pretty uh, much just one year that. of matt ryan though like his dead cap hit after next year is only like 15 million so it is only one year of Matt Ryan. You can get out of that contract pretty easily if it doesn't work out. And, and maybe the picks that, you know, you, I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's a good question. Maybe you overall get more than what you lose to downgrade from Baker to Matt Ryan, a, to a hefty amount. You know, like maybe you get a lot of picks for that. Ooh, um, you, you should call that to... a downgrade. You'd say it was a downgrade from Baker to Matt Ryan. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Cause I still, I, yeah. as bad as Matt Ryan, like, isn't as long as Matt Ryan isn't what he used to be. I still think Matt Ryan's in the same like tier of quarterback as Baker Mayfield. Like I don't think Matt Ryan was mm. brutally I mean, terrible last year. I don't think Baker. You know, I mean, like I, maybe maybe not. I mean, I would say Matt Ryan's tier four, right? Mm-hmm. I would say Baker's probably either the bottom of tier three or the top of tier four, right? So, I mean, it's. It's enough for me to be able to be to call it a downgrade. I think I, I don't know. I, I also think the fact that he's getting older is making a lot more money. Like obviously, so for a team that's willing to win now, Baker Mayfield with his contract makes a lot more sense than Matt Ryan and his contract, right? So mm-hmm. at least in my eyes, for the Browns, that would be considered a downgrade. I feel like the Browns in the long term get worse by getting Matt Ryan instead of Baker. Well, that's why I'm interested. Why they want to move off of Baker is that. I thought Baker and the Colts situations would both just be like, yeah, we can't really do better than what we have. So I guess we'll just ride it out another season. But if, you know, the the Colts weren't going to really invite Carson back into the locker room, it seemed like, seemed like they, there was not a lot of good, uh, good terms on the way out. And the Browns are looking at their window. Like we got to try something other than Baker. 
Um, if that's what they're looking at, I don't know if they can get better than Baker. Uh, obviously, they're trying to trade for the sexual predator, but if they try and get better than Baker other than him, I think they're going to kind of be disappointed in what they find because you know, maybe, maybe Baker kind of falls off at this point and he becomes a backup caliber quarterback. Like it's entirely possible, but I still agree with you. He's kind of in quarterback purgatory right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I saw Cleveland Browns fans say, and I think I agree with them. Their, their entire winning window right now is reliant on Deshaun Watson's decision, right? If, if you don't get Watson, you're back in rebuild mode in my eyes. If you do get Deshaun Watson, then you're in win now mode. Right. I think, uh, because I really, unless you're able to hit on a quarterback really soon, like if you're able to get Malik Willis in this draft and he ends up being a beast or something like that, then maybe you can still continue to win now. But I mean, you, at that point, you know, you're if if you don't get a quarterback in this draft and you you're without Baker Mayfield, you get you got you have a transition quarterback like a Jimmy Garoppolo on your roster, for example. Um, your goal is to clear up as much cap as possible, probably lose out on a lot of stars. Maybe Denzel Ward goes somewhere else and like that. You're the you're gonna lose a lot of good players to be able to have enough money to be able to go out and sign another quarterback or, you know, get draft a good quarterback and be able to sign players to build around the quarterback, right? I think at that point you're you're looking at a rebuild. That's so fascinating because I felt like as long as you have Chubb and as long as you have Ward and as long as you have Miles Garrett, you could still be in the mix. But maybe this is the classic case of you'd rather be really good or really bad than kind of be in the middle and wait for something to work out, right? Well, yeah. So, so the Steelers, the Steelers have great stars on this team on the team, right? They had T.J. Watt, they have Mika Fitzpatrick, they have. Joe Hayden, they had guys like that who were really good players. Evan Bush right? looked um, really good when he was first drafted, right. even though that kind of soured a little bit. And, and, and people believe that, you know, even if they get rid of Ben Roethlisberger, they're going to be able to contend again in the future. But we're seeing the team now, you know, let a lot of these other people go who are getting older, who aren't as good anymore, who are getting paid a lot of money um, to be able to save, enough, save up enough money to maybe hopefully in the future either draft a quarterback and build around them, like I said, or sign a bigger guy, right? I feel like if the Browns lose Baker Mayfield, they're forced into that exact same situation as the Browns, as what the Steelers were without um, Ben Roethlisberger. Right, you're almost in the exact mm-hmm. same situation, and I would say Baker's a bigger loss to your team than Ben Roethlisberger. But it depends on what you're able to trade Baker for, right? If you're able to get get a lot back for Baker, maybe you're able to, you know, you, you do clear up some cap space. You're able to go out and probably try to get a couple of guys. I know they already released. Um, uh, uh, JC Treader, your center, and you replace him with a with a rookie or with a guy on a rookie contract, and Nick Harris, who I think is going to be pretty solid. So you you are gonna you are cleaning up some cap space. You're probably able to go out and get a couple other guys. You might be a solid because the Steelers haven't really been under 500 uh, in the last what 20 years. But yeah, but they probably should like. have been last year. Like if if not right, for uh, right. Baltimore Ravens two point conversion, they probably should have been. They were just averaged enough to go into the playoffs and be blown out by the Chiefs immediately, right? That's yeah, and only only the Colts blowing that game against the Jaguars got them to the playoffs. Right, exactly. That's exactly where the that's exactly where the Browns would be heading if they lose Baker Mayfield and don't get Watts. Exactly where they're going. Gosh, that's so fascinating because I would say it feels like it happened so fast, but this is technically year six of Miles Garrett. And year five of Baker Mayfield. So like, I guess it's just time moved so quickly. Like it, it felt like just yesterday they were trying to maximize that winning window, but I guess it all fell apart really quickly. I mean, I guess it didn't I, like, it felt like in my mind, it fell apart quickly, but I guess it didn't really. It's been a long time with the Cleveland Browns at this point. They just didn't hit on the quarterback situation and 
they do have the one gift of a generational talent who's not a quarterback in Miles Garrett. Like Miles Garrett's no, gonna waltz right. into the Hall of Fame. But I guess TJ Watt is, I think. Yeah. The Browns and Steelers are kind of in a similar spot right now, aren't they? They are kind yeah. of as franchises in the same spot. It's just that we give the Steelers organization more credit for stability and building things up, you know, retooling on the fly than we give the Cleveland Browns credit for. Yeah, I mean, credit to the Browns. They they've been able once they were able to hit the point where they can go nine and seven and be in the playoffs, they were able to really keep that and sustain it with talent, right? The only problem is Baker was not as good as they thought. If they had hit on Baker Mayfield, this is a team that has won at least one Super Bowl, maybe even more than that. We right? talked about <laughs> this a couple of weeks ago. If they had just taken Josh Allen, if they Josh had Allen, just right. taken Josh Allen and with the first pick, think of how it would have worked out. And and they were perfectly set to still remain to be really good. They could have paid Josh Allen this year and still had a really good roster, right? Like you would you would be in perfect shape if you got Josh Allen. It's just unfortunately yeah. it was Baker, and that that really hurt their franchises. And now pretty much putting him into a forced rebuild situation where you're basically begging for Watson. It's like the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA, right? Like they were the process. They were the team that lost more games in two years than any team in the history of the NFL. And if they had just gotten one pick different at the top of the draft, all of it would have worked out and they would have been the team that we hoist up for the rest of time and say, this is how tanking is most effective. And this is the champion magicians who broke the Cleveland Brown curse, but it's all just a game of probabilities, right? Like they evaluated Baker the way they evaluated Josh Allen. It was just a probability of success and they almost got it right with the probabilities game. It's just, they, they hit Denzel Ward. They hit miles Garrett. They hit Nick Chubb with the pick that they got from Brock Osweiler. They just were one off. They're just one ping pong ball percentage chance off from just getting it all perfect hurts that is, that's gotta hurt for cleveland fans man that sucks but yeah you're totally right totally right i, I totally it's agree so crazy and now, and now, now they're, they're trying to they're position. trying to make up for their lost you know their lost opportunity by trading for the sexual predator and trying to say this is how we're going to make up for our bad decision in the past and it's gross but it's also them trying to make up for the decision they missed on in the past Right. And, and, and it makes sense, right? Because if you aren't able to hit on the draft pick, then you have to find a quarterback elsewhere, right? And you don't want to rely on the draft again because it's a big risk, of course. And you're, you know, you don't want to be back in the position you were several years back where you're drafting a new quarterback every season. So, of course, you want to try to get the guy that you know is good now. And Deshaun Watson is still one of the more talented quarterbacks, at least I would guess, one of the more talented quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, even after missing an entire season. So there's a good chance that uh, you're able to, you know, finally get a quarterback necessary to be able to win football games. So if you, if you can get Watson, we're talking about the, we're talking about the Browns being uh, right there in contenders for the playoffs. Like they're, they're right there. And if they get things, I think they're Super Bowl contenders. They're, they're good. They're, they're, they're winning now is back on. Like they're, they're, they're basically the same team, except instead of Baker Mayfield, it's Deshaun Watson, which is a complete change. It's kind of complete difference. You go from a tier four, tier three and a half quarterback to a tier two quarterback, right? That's a big difference. Maybe even tier one. Um, Watson's that good. So, that's a huge difference for this team if they're able to get Deshaun Watson. But if you don't get Deshaun Watson, like I said, it's just a complete new story. It's a complete rebuild. Before we head out, is there anyone else that you wanted to talk about or touch on from the crazy two weeks that we've had over the past couple of weeks? Any other teams that are 
winners or losers or dramatically changed the course of their franchise because it looked for a second like the Raiders. This is just a quick thought I have is that it looked like for a second the Raiders might try and punt and see what they could get for Derek Carr. But now they're signing Chandler Jones and retooling their roster and they're actually going to try and go after everyone in the in the in the AFC West the same way the Falcons last year we're like we're going to double down on Matt Ryan and that's how we're going to win the Raiders are like we're going to double down on Derek Carr and try and beat Patrick Mahomes with that so you know is there any that was my one thing that I thought was interesting I was trying to find a way to weave that in at some point is there anyone else you found interesting well I just want to say whoever is fourth in AFC West is completely screwed next year like that sucks for them probably gonna be the Raiders yeah I, I would put money on the Raiders, right? Um, because you, you would think that the Broncos. Because the Raiders be were ridiculously lucky last season right. to even be in a position to make the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, uh, as for another team that I'm interested in talking about, let's think. Uh, I mean, I, as a Bengals fan, I'm absolutely heartbroken. CJ Uzama is now a New York Jet. Uh, that hurts a lot. But I would like to say I do think the Jets are another team now considered winners of this offseason, actually. I do like what the Jets have done when it comes to the signings um, overall. Um, I, I think that the Jets are positioning themselves to where if they're able to hit on these picks, you're in a really good shape, I think, for the future. As long as Zach Wilson pans out. Again, it's, it's all reliant on that. I really like the Lake and Tomlinson signing. I think he's going to be a very, very good player for the future uh, for that team. CJ Uzama is, again, a really good tight end. It's pretty underrated. He also had a DJ Reed, a good corner to play alongside Bryce Hall. Uh, and then you added Jordan Whitehead, who I think is a very solid safety uh, to add to that team as well. So you're, you're able to fix your secondary, which is by far one of the weakest positions your team had. You have a good tight end in Uzama now, where it can be a good weapon for Zach Wilson. It'd be a good safety blanket for him. You added some protection for, for uh, Zach Wilson as well, and like on Tomlinson. And if you're able to hit on these draft picks, if you're able to go out and get maybe another offensive lineman, maybe add a, an edge rusher, maybe a good safety, maybe you get Kyle Hamilton in this draft, all of a sudden you're looking at this roster and you're like, this is a, this is a team that can win some games. Like I, I feel pretty confident in saying now uh, if the Dolphins are able, or if the Jets are able to hit on these draft picks, we're only talking about the Dolphins being the worst team in that division. <laughs> That's kind of funny how that worked out because you know, I, I thought it wasn't going to work out for the Jets last year. Like looking at the landscape of the team, I didn't think it was going to work out, but they are trying to to give Zach Wilson the best chance to succeed in the same way that I don't think it's going to work out for the Jaguars unless Trevor Lawrence is just that transcendent of a talent. Um, I think that they're giving Zach Wilson a chance, but you're right. They do kind of need to hit on those draft picks in the draft this year. They got two top 10 picks, two second round picks. That's going to be a lot of where the success ends up coming in for Zach Wilson, I think. So give, give the Jets props there. And yeah. Sorry. The Jets are in good position now to where they, they have enough cap space to be able to still go out and sign guys if need be, but also, um, they're, they were still able to add enough talent to be able to fill in holes. That way they can draft best player available in the draft. This is exactly what the Jaguars should have done, right? The Jaguars took all their cap space and threw it into players that were average to try to be try to fill gaps, go BPA. So now if they don't have the draft picks, they're screwed because they have – like they're just an average football team now, right? And they, they don't have any cap space to be better. But the Jets are at a point now where I think they have added enough – I don't know if pieces to where they don't have any obvious needs to the teams. So they can go best player available in the draft, which is always what you want to do if you're in the NFL draft, obviously. 
Um, and you also have enough cap space to where if you're, once you do this draft, get the best players available, you have Zach Wilson, you're able to take the rest of that cap space and try to add other pieces, whether you want to trade for them or sign them if there's still guys available, be able to go out there and, and fill the rest of those pieces in to where you have a complete roster for Zach Wilson to work with and give him everything he needs to be good. Now, it's, you're still making on Zach Wilson to be, to be good, right? And I do think I'm – I'm more willing to bet on Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields over Zach Wilson, but if Zach Wilson pans out, you're in a good position if you're the Jets. Okay, so after the Texans, who's the second worst team in the at AFC, and why might it actually be the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because I really want to believe in Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. Um, I would I would say are the worst. Um, the AFC. AFC West is way too stacked. I'm not going to bet against Pittsburgh Steelers, even though they are the worst team in the North as well. Uh, so it's between the Jaguars, Jets, and Dolphins in my eyes. Um, and it all depends on what quarterback pans out of that group, right? Um, the Dolphins, out of those three teams, the Dolphins are definitely the more talented team. But I think there's also a case to be made they have the worst quarterback of those three teams as well, right? And that's a big question mark right now is how well Tua plays. Um I'm, I'm going to go on a limb right now and say the Jaguars are still going to be worse, at least in my eyes. But I would say the Dolphins are one of the four worst teams still in the AFC, um, even after having a pretty solid season last year going nine and eight. Uh, I still don't understand the Brian Flores move personally. Um, I, I do think Mike McDaniel is a good young coach that can helpfully fix his offense. That's been one of the worst in the league. <laughs> but um, I, I do think, you know, missing out on or losing out on Flores, I think this was a really, was a really good coach, I, I think is unfortunate. And this is also a team that I, I really just don't know where they're headed right now. Offensively, if they're going to keep to much longer. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to say that a second worst team, but they're definitely one of the worst now in my eyes. Yeah, I think I'm kind of looking at it that way too. And by the way, this doesn't have to be a death sentence for any of those teams. The Falcons went seven and 10 last year and still had the eight pick in the NFL draft. So just because you're the fourth worst team in the AFC doesn't mean you also won't maybe go seven and 10. And I think right. Jaguars fans would sign up for seven and 10 next season. Yeah, that's an improvement for sure. Yeah, hey, that's, that's, that's exactly where I'll probably predict the Jaguars, right? Six and 11 or seven and 10 is probably where I see them. Uh, I would like to think the Miami Dolphins are going to be right in that same position. I would, I'd probably say seven and 10, eight and nine for the Dolphins as well. Yeah, that's probably where I think they're going to head to. Um, Two hours, free agent recap, slash Russell Wilson, slash a ridiculous amount of Atlanta Falcons talk. Not sure why that's ended up being a Falcons-heavy podcast, but you know what? Here we are. <laughs> it's fun stuff. It's free agency. <laughs> yeah, it's the NFL changing changing the landscape, even though Ooh. this is the... Ooh? Ooh? Breaking news before we go. Miles Jack, two years, $16 million, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Interesting. I know, I know Cardinals fans really wanted him to join them at the, you know, Buda Baker being the, uh, <laughs> Buda Baker being, uh, high school teammates at high school. Um, I, I can't remember. I think a high school teammate with, uh, uh, with miles Jack. I think they wanted to make that happen, but miles Jack is going to the Steelers. All right. Good for, good for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I guess. I don't know if that's going to help them that much, but Still good at, still pretty good. 
he's young, definitely. I mean, that, that's a really good linebacker core in my eyes. I mean, if Devin Bush is able to pan out, it depends on how well Devin Bush yeah, is. Yeah, I know people aren't happy with him because he had like a he had one of the biggest drop offs of anyone last season. I think from right, Pro Football yeah. Focus grade. So, you know, yeah. they're not they're not super happy with how that's gone so far. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I agree. No, you're uh, good. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Miles My- Jack is. I mean, he had a pretty rough season last year. But if there's anyone that can go out and fix Miles uh, Jack, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Because they are the best linebacker developing teams ever. And Miles uh, Jack is a very, very talented linebacker who just needs better coaching in my eyes. So I think that's going to work out for them. I think Miles Jack's a great signing for Pittsburgh. All right. Let us be let that be the final note here is that Miles Jack, good signing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who you said might end up going eight and nine. <laughs> Possibly.